0: Flyover Politics Podcast, the show for normal Americans from this undisclosed bunker. Here's your
1: host, Tony Reed.
2: happy to take questions, if that's you. I'm supposed to do, Nance, whatever you want me to do. Thank you, thank you. And I'm happy to take questions, if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance, whatever you want me to do.
3: In order to open these doors, we do not say open Sesame. We say open Biden. That's our magic word. Open Biden. I love it.
4: I'm very excited to talk about what would happen if you gave people $500 a month with no strings attached. It's an idea known as the guaranteed basic income. And you might assume, hey, that's free money. People are going to waste it. They're going to work less. They're going to be lazy. But Stockton, California has actually tested this idea since 2019. 125 residents there have been getting $500 per month on a special debit card. And here are the results out just this morning. People did not waste the money. In fact, they used it for necessities. Less than 1% went to alcohol or tobacco. Number two, people actually worked more when they were getting this money. Full employment increased by 12 percentage points, and unemployment fell by 4 percentage points. And you may not be surprised to learn people were less anxious, less depressed, and less fatigued overall. This has the potential to radically change the way yeah. we think of yeah. social assistance. I'm a little surprised. Yeah, I think say. it's really amazing. I think amazing. it surprised a lot of people. This has not even been on the table right. uh, in the business community for a long time and obviously it came up in the last election and, yeah. it's, and it's been tested. I think if people want to see it tested on a broader scale, but it's really interesting what you're seeing here. Mm, yeah. I like that. You were on the show many times as a guest during the Trump era. This is your first time during the Biden presidency. Uh, how has things? How have things changed for you so far?
5: Well, it's uh, we're still dealing with things that Trump left in his wake, right? The the failures of his
6: presidency, the, the
5: pandemic still raging out of control, although there's a light at the end of the tunnel
4: with the vaccines. Uh, and then, of course, the January 6th uh, insurrection, the, the MAGA terrorist attack. So I wouldn't say it, it's over yet. And, and uh, you know, we also have his
5: legacy, what he's done to... A once great political party, the Republican Party, where now a bunch of them think that lying and indecency is is the ticket to success.
7: And welcome back to Flyover Politics podcast. It's the sixth of March year of our Lord twenty twenty one, and that's a pretty good primer right there. Biden's not in charge of shit; he's just a sock puppet, and Nancy Pelosi's got his her hand in his ass. And then yes, a little media thing because this is all about bias, and that they they are that biased. Socialism, Jake Tapper, it it sums it up pretty good. I wanted to do something before we get in. I got a good show today. Going to talk about Texas. We got everything. It's a long show. It's two great Tucker sound bites that I'm editing down, but it's still going to be like twenty minutes because he just been nailing this Capitol Theater shit. Cancel culture, racism, the whole nine yards. But within this is a lot of Joy Reid, and Joy Reid has been saying some outlandish shit. And I'm playing it because I just like to play that stuff because it really shows how bad our media is. That racist, sexist, a racist, homophobic piece of shit's got a TV show. Um, but I understand their root, their ratings are cratering. CNN's down 25. percent Joy Reid. down in the month of February from January. Year to date, 40% down. Two years, 20% down. And we're not talking a lot of viewers here. Her audience is uh, 300,000 people. That's it. The top she's ever gotten was 488. But she only keeps her show because she's black. So they're not, they're not going to take her off the air because she's black. And if you did that, well, you'd be a racist. And they were already getting slammed over at MSDNC for not having enough POC news people. The Texas thing, though, I think Dan Crenshaw sums it up. Freedom of choice for Americans. Neanderthal thinking. Open borders to illegal immigrants with COVID. Compassion. And it sums up this whole thing.
6: Do do the question? Message to Texas and Mississippi. I
2: think Texas and Mississippi. Texas, I think it's a big mistake. Look, I hope everybody's realized by now, these masks make a difference. We are on the cusp of being able to fundamentally... Change the nature of this disease because of the way in which we are able to get vaccines in people's arms. We've been able to move that all the way up to the end of May to have enough for every American to get every adult American to get a shot. And the last thing, the last thing we need is the Neanderthal thinking that in the meantime, everything's fine. Take off your mask, forget it. It still matters. I carry a card. Room. I don't have it. I put it on my desk. As of last, as of yesterday, we had lost 511,874 Americans. We're going to lose thousands more. This will not occur. We'll not have everybody vaccinated until sometime in the summer. We have the vaccine to do it. Getting a shot in someone's arm and getting a second shot, you're going to take time. And it's critical, 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 critical that they follow the science. Wash your hands. Hot water, do it frequently. Wear a mask and stay socially distanced. And uh, I know you all know that. I wish the heck some of our elected officials knew it. So thank you very much.
0: The behavior of a Neanderthal, just to be very clear, um, the behavior of. Look, I think the president, uh, what, what what everybody saw yesterday was a reflection of. Um, his frustration and exasperation, which I think many American people have, that for almost a year now, uh, people across the country have sacrificed. uh, And many times they haven't had information they need from the federal government. They haven't had access to uh, a greater understanding of what the public health guidelines should look like. Uh, And those include many, many people in Mississippi and Texas. Um, To what do you chalk up the cruelty
8: of the Republican posture at this moment, this hour of the pandemic?
9: You know, I think it appeared to many of us to be a a cult of personality, the Republican Party in the era of Trump. And and that probably still holds true. It's hard to escape the conclusion that it's also a a cult of of death. Um, You have extraordinarily anti-democratic elements. I mean, look at the insurrection on on January 6th for, for any proof. You have anti-government elements, literally running the government of, of the state of Texas. And and it almost, I use the phrase failed state, because I, I think when you can't guarantee the electricity, the heat, the running water, the, the public welfare and safety, you are about there by any classic definition. You, you have folks who, who are, are literally upending civilization as we know it, and completely indifferent to the suffering it caused, 44,000 deaths alone, Just in the state of Texas, in El Paso, my home county, where I am right now, there are 280 bodies stacked up in a warehouse because there are not enough grave diggers and not enough graves to be dug to put them in the ground. They had to call in the National Guard to move the bodies. They had to set up 10 mobile morgues. And that's just in my city right now. It is 85 percent Mexican-American. They just don't care. And that indifference is killing people in my community and throughout the state of Texas.
8: We do obituaries every day at the end of this program, and we've done a whole lot of them from Texas. And and it's this indifference to the death and the loss. Every one of them ruins an entire family, an entire community's whole world. And and you're right, um, the scope may be beyond our ability to comprehend, but the government response is... Inexplicable, Pedro O'Rourke, thank you for spending some time talking with us. It's great to see you. I mean, it, it sounds like it isn't going to work on the science side, and there's a lot of skepticism within the business community in Texas that it isn't going to work on the economic side as well. So why is he doing it?
9: They literally want to sacrifice the lives of our fellow Texans for, I don't know, for, for political gain to satisfy certain powerful interests within the state. And, and this isn't hyperbole. Um, You heard our lieutenant governor, uh, arguably one of the most powerful positions in the state of Texas, say on Fox News at the beginning of the pandemic, we are willing to die. Old people are willing to sacrifice their lives in order for the economy to reopen. It, It won't just be any older Texans, however, who will die. We know disproportionately black and brown Texans who do. You heard our former governor, Rick Perry, say we will take blackouts that resulted in the death of an 11-year-old boy who froze to death in his bed in the trailer where he lives, in the death of an 84-year-old grandmother who froze to death in her home, of a Vietnam veteran who froze to death in his truck, more than 100 deaths at least so far that we know of in the state of Texas due to this. Harry says, we'll take that rather than take federal oversight and regulation. And now this mission accomplished deal from Abbott yesterday saying, we, we are done trying to fight COVID, even though, as you say, Biden has told us that every adult in America can be vaccinated by the end of May. I can see the end of May from yeah. where I sit right here. We just need to we just need to run through the tape. And instead, he stopped and left us uh to our to our own devices. Unconscionable, unacceptable. We're not accepting it. We're moving forward on an individual and collective basis to help our fellow Texans. That's all we can do now, but we're gonna do everything we can with what we have where we are.
10: We
0: I don't have anything to preview for you on that. Um, this is just, of course, an announcement made this morning. It was meant to deescalate the issue and create space for a negotiated settlement to the Airbus and Boeing disputes, uh, but in terms of additional steps, I don't have anything to preview for you.
11: Go ahead. Thank you, Jen. Uh, you mentioned earlier on masks. Uh, you, rec- you referenced the President's uh, frustration and exasperation with people who are not following the science. Uh, It would appear uh, that notwithstanding, there are still millions of Americans out there who are not following the science, but certainly in places like Texas, Mississippi, South Carolina and other places. So I'm wondering, why doesn't the president consider ratcheting up his rhetoric beyond Neanderthal and personalizing his concern? Why doesn't, for example, why doesn't he think about saying, folks, here's the deal. If you don't wear your mask, people are going to die because of you. That would certainly get people's attention.
0: Well noted. I will say the president has been clear that if people wear masks for 100 days, 60,000 lives could be saved. And he has been clear. He did a whole PSA during the Super Bowl about it, about the benefit and impact of mask wearing. Uh, He also, though, uh, does not believe that people of any state uh, or any American um, should be um, hurt by the guidance of their leadership. And so that's why he's spoken directly to the American people. We all have, or we all are trying to, about the impact of mask wearing, of social distancing, and of taking the vaccine uh, when people can have access to it. Yeah, the president has been pretty critical of the prior administration's handling of this pandemic, saying you inherited a mess here. But when it comes to vaccinations, you are following some of the same playbook here. So does the prior administration deserve some credit for laying the groundwork? Wh- which ones are we following? Well. For instance, uh, former Trump HHS Assistant Secretary Admiral Brett Girard has said that you're following 99 percent of the playbook they created on vaccines. Uh, He has said that, that the prior administration deserves more credit here for at least getting the ball rolling on some of these. I don't think anyone deserves credit when half a million people in the country have died of this pandemic. Uh, So what our focus is on and when the president's focus is on when he came into office just over a month ago was ensuring that we had enough vaccines. We have we are going to have them now. We had enough vaccinators and we had enough vaccine locations to get this pandemic under control. Uh, There's no question and all data points to the fact that there were not enough of any of those things when he took office. Uh, We are open eyed about the the challenge we continue to uh, live under and that's why he has been focused every single day and doing everything possible to get the pandemic under control Uh, but those were there were shortages in all those areas uh, which were preventing us from moving forward on getting the I want to dig deeper with someone who is certainly not
3: a Neanderthal thinker Dr. Tom Frieden he served as director of the CDC currently president and CEO of the group resolved to save lives Tom you know I always ask about money when states, states like Texas and Mississippi that are in the bottom 10 as far as vaccinations go, when they go against CDC guidance and open up, should they face consequences? Should they, for example, should they get access to, let's say, emergency federal help if they end up with a spike in cases or hospitalizations down the road?
12: This is always a challenge, Stephanie, because ultimately it's not the government of Texas that's going to suffer as the people of Texas. and. Ultimately, the federal government has a responsibility to support everyone in the country. The challenge is, and frankly, I think it's an insult to Neanderthals. Um, <laughs> there is no defensible argument for stopping a mask mandate while we still have very high levels of spread. We know that masks work. We know that mask mandates work. And we know that variants are a very real risk. We have uh, uh, explosive spread in Brazil in a community that already had explosive spread once. So it suggests that it's not like something that's gonna come through and be gone. It's possible that it comes back. On the other hand, we do really have a lot of good news and bottom line, hang in there. Vaccines are becoming more available. Vaccines are working and we're seeing dramatic decreases in deaths in nursing homes and elsewhere. So uh, exactly as uh, Tony Fauci says, Over the summer and into the fall, we're going to get to a new normal. Uh, But masks are going to be part of our lives for a while. It's a small thing to do that could save someone's life. Because even with the vaccines, this remains. Emma Watson gave us this. And this is the second time I'm doing this. Because I put
7: this up there. Thank you to Matt in Oregon. He sent it to me. But I found it. And I just laughed my ass off because it's, you know, once again, this guy got canceled too because it looked like black people. But I, I just think it's hilarious. Uh, it's Emma Mitchum. I'm sorry. Um, but that, that's some funny gifts there. So we're doing this a second time because I got all the way through and realized I didn't turn the audio off on this. <laughs> so I completed the podcast. And then it went to push produce, and there was the da 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 like really loud. I mean, it was super loud. So we're gonna go again, and of course we sent it off with "Freedom" by Mr. Dan Crenshaw. But they didn't want freedom. I mean, you got Slate journal. Uh, the amount of anxiety I'm hearing for folks in Texas is high. One friend tells me I'm not going inside store of masks aren't. Our- Enforced. I can't comprehend how Abbott approached this with such enthusiasm. It could backfire economically, too. Brianna Golduga, Goldigug. Will Salteen. As somebody who has flown to Texas during the mask mandate, lifting it is a significant deterrent to me going back. Requiring masks is one of the smallest things the community can ask of us. Masks make travel and commerce much easier. Economically, this will backfire. Josh. John Bearfield, hey buddy, you can still wear your mask if you like. That's the great thing about freedom. His concern is not whether he has his freedom. His concern is not being able to restrict your freedom. And that's what this is all about. It is control. Once again, I wear a mask. My, my wife gave me this. But I've seen videos, literally, I'm supposed to be doing a podcast like this. There's videos of people going through drive-thru. They won't give them their fucking food. Popeye's literally does it on a train now. But you're six feet apart. What the fucking fuck? But it brought out, really, the hatred in everybody. Dan Crenshaw. Note the hatred which the left responds to little freedom. They want to joy- jail or fine you for not wearing a mask. When they can't, they react this way. This is insane. By the way, you can still wear a mask in te- Texas. Most businesses require it. It's just a choice now, as it should be. And we go down the litany, Keith Oberman, and we saw this all through COVID. I mean, April Ryan was saying it over and over and over, that if you didn't wear a mask, you shouldn't be able to have a ventilator. And then they said it about the vaccines. Well, now they're saying it again, Keith Oberman. Why are we wasting vaccinations on Texas if Texas has decided to join the side of the virus? Michael Moore, Texas, we hear you. You didn't want to be part of our electrical grid. And, and once again, that's a lie. Everybody knows it's a lie. The media knows it's a lie. But they're not going to go back and say, hey, it really was Obama Or excuse me, Biden. What's the fucking difference? And now you've removed your mask mandate and allowing large crowds together. We hear you. COVID is a hoax. So you don't need our precious vaccine. We'll send it to people who are saving lives. Beto O'Rourke, which you heard on the soundbite, a death warrant for Texans. Add them to the 44,000 killed as he failed to confront the pandemic and botched the vaccine rollout and those who froze to death because he cares more about energy companies' profits than keeping Texans alive. Abbott is killing the people of Texas. He couldn't even catch up to Cuomo. Couldn't catch up to Cuomo if he tried. He'd have to start injecting people with COVID. NBC News President Biden calls Texas and Mississippi decision in mass man ain't a big mistake and criticizes them as views of Neanderthal thinking after CDC warned against complacency in the face of emerging coronavirus variants on Monday oh, 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 oh,
13: oh.
7: Keith Oberman literally got lit up by lefties. Justin Peranga. So Michael Moore looked at the shitty Keith Overman tweet and said, yeah, that's the ticket. Don't be like this. I am so sick of A, this completely nonsensical, casually cruel conflagration of state residents with their leadership, and B, this particular piece of shit. Is this your king? Sam Adams asked. Eric Michael Garcia There are more Democrats in Texas than there are in Michigan, Michael. A lot of people in Texas were either kids or not living there when the decisions were made. But aside from that, how someone votes shouldn't determine whether they live or die. Jesse Hawkins. Really shitty thing to say considering almost half the state voted blue. Zach Hetzel, Texas is a red state insofar as 52% of its voters chose to elect these assholes. The other 48% didn't. A blue state like, say, Colorado is similarly split. 4% of the state should not determine whether you think the entire state is deserving of your empathy or support. And it goes on and on. Yashra Ali, first Keith Oberman, now Michael Moore, don't be like this. Don't punish people for the decisions of their political leaders. And don't claim to care about minorities if you're going to say shit like this. But you're not getting punished. I mean AOC chimed in 93.2% of Texans are fully vaxxed are not fully vaccinated. The state just endured one disaster worsened by selfish denial of basic science and now conditions are set for another repealing the mass mandate now endangers so many people especially essential workers and the vulnerable. This endangers the entire country and beyond. People on Mars are going to get COVID. Then some dickhead goes on CNN. This is how invested they are into this cult of COVID to keep using it for political advantage as long as they fucking can. Remember, these are the same people who say you can't join in groups if you're vaccinated and all the other people are vaccinated. Yet the CDC is saying you can, but the Biden Biden administration told them not to put it out. Because now they realize that's really stupid dictum. If we're going to say, hey, you need to get the vaccine, and then you get the vaccine, you can't say, well, now you still can't be anywhere. you got to wear masks forever. You can't be with anybody. Don't have Thanksgiving. I'm guaranteeing all over the place, especially CNN, they're already pinning no July 4th barbecues. It's starting, but... Eddie Zipper, CNN pundit, suggests the lessons from COVID might be that we should mask up and social distance ourselves every winter so people don't get the flu. Of course, everybody went after him like, you're a fucking socialist, but not fucking Jake Tapper. Mm -mm. As you saw in our intro, Republicans are evil people. They're all evil. They're cult of death, as we'll see in two seconds. That CNN pundit is Dr. Paul Offit, a widely respected pediatrician specializing in infectious diseases, vaccines, immunology, and virology, who just happened to be the co inventor of the rotavirus vaccine. If you disagree, fine. But let's frame these discussions honestly. Like we framed that Trump is the virus. Like we framed that um, his ban on Chinese people visiting the country was really smart. Because a month later, you criticized he didn't do it soon enough, but during the time, he called it a xenophobe. Like you claimed that Cuomo was a great guy. Like you claimed that Trump didn't enjoy and uh, didn't respect the experts, but Cuomo said, fuck the experts. Like you claimed that when Biden got elected, the virus was going to go away. Like you claimed there was no virus program. Like you cl- let's frame it all, Jake from CNN farm. Sonny McFunnyface, in the same way that CNN always framed Ben Carson's commentary with all of his accomplishments and credentials. Any Zipperer, I find it completely laughable to be lectured on honesty by someone pushed the Russia collusion lie, simply because I called someone engaging in punditry a pundit. Matthew George, meanwhile, death from despair and loneliness at all-time highs. I'll take my chances with the flu. Look at that. Because I'm redoing this segment, I can't remember if I touched this or not. So I'm going to touch it again. Because it's so weird to go to the beginning of your fucking podcast and redo it. But I got it. That's the numbers. They're probably not even accurate. The epidemic isn't COVID. It's everything else. And schooling. Death cult! Hollywood shrieks over Texas opening up. The GOP is a death cult! Bradley Whitford from West Wing. Jesse Dweck. Honestly impressive to live in the same state as Ted Cruz and still be a worse politician. Chelsea Handler. Only another white man could figure out a way to become a worse person than Ted Cruz. Greg Abbott. I'm gonna open it up. Lauren Boebert. God bless Texas. Tony Pasansky. Go fuck yourself, Lauren! That's not sexist. Because sex, you know, gender is just a construct. And then you have all the never-Trumper people that just can't stop being never-Trumpers. I mean, they just don't know how to come out of it. we we just been reading all this stuff and you have your exposure to it. It's like all the people that learn about Nazis all the time. They're going to become fucking Nazis because all they do is talk about Nazisms. I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. Here's David French. Bill is right. Anti-masking further exposed the darkness of parts of the right. It's such a small thing to show love of neighbor. But that small thing was and is too much for all too many who claim to be pro-life. And there you go. That's a liberal statement. That's not a Republican. Republicans don't say that. Liberals say, oh, you're not for live birth abortion where the mother decides what she wants to keep the baby after it comes out of a womb like fucking Virginia and Governor Cuomo and all the people on CNN saying codifying Roe. But you're for the death penalty. Two things aren't the same, but yeah, that's that's their logic. And he is stuck in that. Now all of a sudden, pro-life's bad. But this guy advocated for pro-life. David Franks was pro-life before Trump. But we don't know what to do. Chris Wallace the same way. We can't call the border a crisis because we hate Trump. And I don't know how to stop hating Trump. And I gotta hate the right. Or what do I do? Because I've been saying this thing. Oh, what do I do? Vanity Fair. Republican governors duking it out to see who can kill more people. That's an actual headline. Texas and Mississippi are apparently duking it out to see who can kill more people with COVID 19. What they don't want to cover is that back in last year, Trump fucked up a stimulus by saying we should give him $2,000. So now we're supposed to give them 2000 but then it changed to 1400 And now Biden Democrats to further limit who gets 1400 still his check under New Deal. Remember, these are the people that said, if you elect me, you get $2,000. That's what it was. But now, no, no, we're, we're not going to talk about how they're shafting people. Killing me, nearly a hundred thousand in U.S. dead from coronavirus and in Biden' first month in office. So let's just go and segue all right, into what the Wapo said, and the Wapo said because Senator Johnson is making them read it out loud, and we're finding that the whole fucking COVID relief bill is just pork, and they're pulling stuff off, because now they can't go home and justify to their constituents why they're doing all this shit. Philip Bump, a story inspired by B. Fung, Ron Johnson forcing the Senate to read the COVID relief bill, won't change the outcome, but it will delay passage. During the delay, nearly 1,400 Americans may die, and then he gives it. The final estimate was 800 Americans died, and it's all his fault, because they read a bill that is 6% COVID, 94% pork, that we all got to have, that was supposed to be 2,000, but now it's 1,400, and you're not all getting it, go fuck yourself. Even AOC says Trump was better at getting stimulus checks out than you guys. Katie Pavlish. There are more concerns in the White House previous day about concerns over American citizens traveling to Texas and Mississippi than there are questions or concerns about Biden and men releasing hundreds of COVID positive people into America. Nobody cares about that. Nobody. We're not even talking about you and I are going to have to have travel passports with our vaccine. But we're just letting the illegals come the fuck in. Just let them come in. We're not testing them. That's racist. You fucking xenophobe. The ACLU COVID-19 relief is racial justice. It's women's rights justice. It's disability justice. It's economic justice. Senate passed the American Rescue Plan. That doesn't really help a lot. And it's mostly delayed funding for pork. CNBC. If we continue to be more prescriptive and not give people a realistic vision for a better future, they're going to start ignoring the data. And Mary Catherine Hamm sums up the overriding thing that has been in COVID porn for the left to use for political reasons. And try to get Trump out of office. And sully red states and Christians and anybody who doesn't believe, you got to wear 14 masks. Because remember, these same people that tracked our driving during the lockdowns and told us we were pieces of shit because we had to drive 20 miles to Walmart when they all had to walk five seconds to a little corner, rest, uh, corner grocery store in New York City. But we were driving a lot. Remember, that was a whole thing, too. But she breaks down the super spreader. There's a lesson. The moral panic and media coverage over possible spreader events rarely reflects the actual viral trend. The record is rarely corrected. Give people info, not freakouts. The corny Grim Reaper guy on a beach is not a data point. I should say the record is rarely corrected in prominent fashion as a freakout. The result is about the same. As people don't hear the news, there was no super spreader in the Ozarks. Do remember that? Franklin Street UNC celebration? Missouri Salon, particular coverage of outdoor events should cause some reflection. I highly recommend the entire The Atlantic piece, but this is the relevant part of the outdoor event. Media coverage gives the opposite impression that most outdoor events are horrors, and they're clearly not. The Super Bowl, a supposed spreader, was not. These are the same people that told you, you can go out Biden block parties, and it was more important to go to the polls with COVID, and it was more important to BLM riot and burn shit down than follow CDC guidance. While they're not following CDC guidance, are following their experts, are following unions, are following anything, no, or even for a second reporting on. Cuomo.
10: We're going to begin with breaking news, because for the first time tonight, one of the women accusing New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is speaking out to CBS News on camera detailing what she says was clear sexual harassment by the powerful Democrat and head of the National Governors Association. Cuomo's former executive assistant, Charlotte Bennett, says the governor asked her intimate and inappropriate questions about her personal life. All she says in an attempt to sleep with her the governor who became an international celebrity for his handling of the early days of the pandemic in new york is now facing allegations that his administration covered up covid deaths at nursing homes along with allegations from three women that he sexually harassed them on wednesday cuomo publicly apologized saying he was sorry if he acted in a way that made anyone feel uncomfortable but as you'll hear tonight charlotte bennett says that apology did not go far enough calling him a textbook abuser. Governor Cuomo said that he has never propositioned anybody. Do you believe that he was propositioning you? Yes. For what? Sex. In the spring of 2020, New York was the epicenter of the COVID crisis.
14: The pandemic was obviously stressful for all of us. And he was on TV nearly every day talking about it. Make that gown look good. So you think all this national attention
10: may have emboldened him? Absolutely. I think he felt like
14: he was untouchable in a lot of ways.
10: Bennett says their professional relationship took a turn on May 15th, when she alleges the governor started asking her about her love life and then became fixated, repeating over and over again her history as a sexual assault
14: survivor. So he goes, you were raped. You were raped. You were raped and abused and assaulted.
10: Another key encounter happened on June 5th, when Bennett says she was called into Cuomo's office to take dictation,
14: and he told her to turn off the tape recorder. And then he explains at that point that he is looking for a girlfriend. He's lonely. He's tired. You've just finished dictation. And
10: the governor is telling you he's lonely and looking for a relationship?
14: Yes. He asked if I had trouble enjoying being with someone because of my trauma. This is, seems highly inappropriate. Yeah. The governor asked me if I was sensitive to intimacy. In his office? Yes. During the workday.
15: Well, uh, you know, what, what is striking to me is the hypocrisy um, coming from the right. Because, you know, now that, that uh, Governor Cuomo has apologized, something that we have never heard from, um, you know, the disgraced uh, former twice impeached one term president.
7: She is such a twat burglar. Everybody on The View is a twat burglar. I, I have an HR1 sound bite. If anything they say is something we must do, well... Well, maybe uh, you shouldn't do it. ABC boots Cuomo Apology seven times more than The Accuser. They played that shit. They didn't play anything else. Britt Hume, worth reading. Rory Kerper, Cooper, Public health and pediatrician health experts overwhelmingly are advocating for children to return to school full-time. They recognize that the risks are far outweighed by the damage currently being done. Here are some examples. Chief pediatrician medicine at UCLA, this isn't a partisan issue. Our state and our local leaders are failing to stand up for our children and do what's right. Listen to the science, read the data, follow the facts, and reopen public schools now. 17 pediatricians and infectious disease doctors we cannot under, understate the serious psychological harm the prolonged virtual school has been had on many children we're seeing an epidemic of serious psychological illness that has reached a crisis point pediatricians in Chicago right here in Chicago parochial and private schools as well as daycares have reopened and stayed open the bucks of covid-19 30 healthcare experts at UCSF We're calling on our schools across the state to reopen American Academy of Pediatricians. A year ago, the lower risk of transmission of virus by young children are reported milder or modern illness in this age group suggests the appropriateness of in-person instruction. It goes on and on and on and on. But we're still talking politics. These numbers aren't bullshit. That's where we're at as a nation. 119% on overdoses, anxiety, depression. It's fucking everywhere. The Cuomo thing, we're talking about the wrong thing. You know he's a guido. He was asking everybody to eat the whole sausage. But they've done a great job. MRC poll proves media Cuomo cover-up distorted public view. As New Yorkers grieve the loss of family due to Andrew Cuomo's criminal COVID-19 nursing home policy, the media has completely turned a blind eye. It goes without question. Had this happened under a Republican, it'd be different. Instead, as details of the scandal emerged, the media hailed Cuomo as a pandemic hero, an American savior. In the study... The, there were 401 broadcast evening news, which went, mentioned Cuomo. Sorry, let me turn this down. It's getting hot as shit in here. 401 broadcast evening news stories, which mentioned Cuomo in 2020. Yet only two of those 0.5% even mentioned the controversy over his handing of the nursing home. Despite blockbuster revelations this year, ABC's CBS-NBC evening newscast only provided a combined 10 minutes and 56 seconds of coverage from January through February. That's in spite of news the Cuomo administration concealed the true numbers of infected patients sent to nursing homes, significantly underreported the number of deaths among nursing home residents, and was being investigated by federal prosecutors. Our nationwide poll of a 1,000 general election voters conducted between February 24th and 28th shows the consequences of the media failure. Only two-thirds of the voters said they had heard about the mishandling of the nursing home and the Cuomo administration cover-up, while 25% they said they had not heard of it. Top Cuomo aides report... Uh, aids edited report to high nursing home death tolls ahead of book release there's a video of him saying all the facts are out there on July i was going to play it he was he was lying he was just fucking lying and remember, before we go into Drew Holden, well, let's do this. The the ten worst takes on Governor Cuomo. Ten. Amy Siskin. I was never holding my breath for Siskin to be a good faith actor, but the sheer depravity. We read him last podcast. Vogue. Let him let read him last. Honorable mention. BuzzFeed. Andrew Cuomo and Chris Cuomo can't stop cracking jokes about each other on live TV, and it's glorious. Take this poll and settle the debate. Who's the hottest Cuomo? Anna Navarro. Are you guys watching the new Governor Cuomo press conference? He's doing all sorts of life wisdom. These New York Governor press conferences are chicken soup for the soul. MSDNC. Cuomo's elevated his game. What Donald Trump has done is exactly the opposite. Cuomo and new, re- new York City's reopening. New York now has the lowest infection rate in the United States. It lasts like a week. Uh, honorable mention, Cherry Jacobs. Trump wanted as many dead New Yorkers as possible. Cuomo helped reduce the numbers. How? It's called math. Get a fucking calculator. I know it's tough. Andrew Cuomo during the COVID 19 crisis is the same as ever, with one big difference people like him, Washington Post. Near a tandem. I almost teared up to Cuomo's simple statement of Excelsior. Ever upwards. My one bit of health advice to Americans is stop watching Trump, watch Cuomo. CNN, I'm going to go to work. How I'm going to go to work. How Andrew Cuomo in and his press conferences contrast with Trump. Andrew Cuomo to Chris, you're the meatball of the family. Seth Aberson. Blogger Julie, Julie Jennifer Rubin, that piece of fucking shit. The boyfriend looks nice, and the girls seem to have eaten their spaghetti and meatballs. A picture of him having a family dinner with, I guess, his fucking side piece is not there. Steven Schmidt. Joanne Reed is number two. Just going to say it, Cuomo is really good at this. His leadership ability is his coronavirus is a usefulness in the press. When you elect a president, you're hiring a crisis manager, not a religious savior or entertainer or friend. That's it. That's the tweet. And Chris Saliza is the worst. Andrew Cuomo has become the most important voice of the coronavirus. Everyone needs to see Andrew Cuomo inspiring words to fight against coronavirus. Here's just a montage.
11: David, we're standing by for Governor Cuomo's press conference, his daily briefing. How would you contrast Cuomo and President Trump's handling of the crisis?
16: Truth versus mendacity.
8: Governor Cuomo, um, out there day after day after day, everything Trump isn't, honest, direct, brave.
17: Real leadership of the kind the president of the United States should have provided. Governor Cuomo
18: is clearly living in a totally different reality. The actual one? than the president of the United States. Governor Cuomo has become a national leader.
11: For a lot of people, Andrew
18: Cuomo
7: has become the leader of the Democratic Party. He is conveying
13: incredible strength.
7: You spoke to National Guard troops today in a stirring speech that, if I wasn't listening carefully, I thought you were sending soldiers off to war. This has
11: been a remarkable show of leadership by Governor Cuomo in recent days. He's providing hope. But not false
8: hope. Governor Cuomo, no. I think, is, is, is one of the heroes on, on the front lines. With all of this
19: adulation that you're getting for doing your job, are you thinking about running for president? Andrew Cuomo, who
9: has a daily television show now, uh, and has become in some ways the shadow uh, president.
15: Maybe Trump is just a little bit mad that Governor Cuomo has become a kind of acting president.
11: Dealing with hardship actually makes you stronger. That's what Governor Cuomo said earlier today. That's what I'm gonna go teach my kids right now at home.
7: Yeah, yeah, Trump was bad, yeah, gotcha, okay. Dolly Litwick, take on Me Too era due to process, due process. Slate, even after facing sever, severe, several accusations of harassment, the governor deserves due process. Kavanaugh, no. Trump, no. Conservatives, no. Him, yes. It's a whole long article, I'm not fucking reading it. It's just fucking hilarious. There's literally a leader in New York who said, if one more person comes forward, Mr. Cuomo, you need to resign. Because three is not enough. No. A.J. Delgado. I'm sorry, but as someone who's lived through intense sexual harassment, these allegations are, well, certainly entailing inappropriate and concerning conduct that could upset, so should upset people, someone not exactly what rises the level of disturbing Michael Rodriguez. I could not agree more AJ. And we know why ours are calling on him to resign. And It's not because they care about sexual assault. Yeah. If they cared about the 45 would have been long gone. I agree. These incidents wouldn't take, make it to the top 10 agreed. And the timing feeling of this extremely suspicious, I agree as a survivor. It's getting ridiculous. The R's are behind all of this. Yeah, the R's. Most conservatives are asking him to resign because he lied. He lied and did a policy that killed 15,000 grandparents. Remember, you said the Ozark people were grandma killers. The Super Bowl was a grandma killer. Random parties of they were non-black were random or grandma killers. You didn't wear your mask, grandma killer. If you left your house and drove to go get your groceries during the lockdown, and we had those trackers that red states aren't listening because we're rural and we got to drive 20 miles to get groceries. We were driving 20 miles. So we clearly went following the lockdown. We were grandma killers. Do we remember all this? Every possible angle they could politicize this shit, they did. To include Trump's the virus, vote for Biden, and the virus goes away. This is CNN on school opening. I'm just going to play it and we'll listen. I'm sorry, you know, I get very
8: angry about this. My union has been trying to reopen schools since last April.
7: (laughs) That's the National Teachers Union, President. Does anybody believe that? Does anybody believe that? And understand, to go back to this slide... The soft bigotry of low expectations has real life consequences. Stop pretending that standardized testing is the problem. It's clearly not. As we dig deeper in Tiffany France's son's record, we can see in his first three years in August, Augusta Fells, he failed 22 classes and was late or absent for 272 days. But in all those three years, only one teacher requested a parent conference with France. This has never happened. No one from the school told France her son was failing and not going to class. The story is all over the place. The kid is in the top of his class with a 0. .7 GPA. Yeah, teachers. They're so
5: fucking good. Something called the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act passed the House yesterday. The legislation gives the Department of Justice the power to sue police departments if they disproportionately pull over a particular race or gender. <laughs> or gender. <laughs> Pretty funny considering that men commit almost all the crimes and always have throughout history. What does this mean in practical terms? Well, it encourages cops to set up gender and race based quotas for traffic stops, irrespective of what the people in the cars are actually doing and the crimes they've committed. Heather McDonald is the author of The War on Cops, which this seems like. She joins us tonight to assess. Heather, thanks so much for coming on. What do you think of this bill? What would it mean?
8: Well, it means passive cops and emboldened criminals, Tucker. Uh, it's based on the usual lie that racial disparities in policing are the result of police bias rather than criminal disparities in crime commission. Here are the facts about those crime disparities that the Biden administration and the Black Lives Matter industrial complex don't want you to know. In New York City, blacks commit about three-quarters of all shootings, even though they're 23% of the population. In Chicago, blacks commit about 80% of all shootings, though they're less than a third of the population. In Los Angeles, blacks commit 44% of all violent crime, though they're 9% of the population. And in St. Louis, blacks commit 90% of homicides, though they're 46% of the population. These disparities are replicated in every American city, uh, and they mean that the police cannot go where crime is happening to protect minority victims without going disproportionately into minority neighborhoods and interacting disproportionately with black criminals. Cops don't wish that reality. It's forced on them by the facts of crime. But such targeted, data-driven policing is the only way to prevent what happened last year when over four dozen black children were gunned down fatally in drive-by shootings. Now, thanks to this act and and the philosophy behind it, which remains absolutely powerful in the land, cops are going to back off of that kind of policing, and what we're going to see is a continuation of last year's unprecedented increase in homicides.
5: People in affluent neighborhoods will just hire private security as they did in the 80s. But you do wonder what what happens to people who can't afford it. I guess we know.
8: The racism on the part of the left is incredible, Tucker. Uh, they, they seem to believe that if we talk about black criminals and black criminal offending, we're talking about all blacks. That is not the case. We're talking about criminals. The police are there to save the thousands of law-abiding, good black entrepreneurs, senior citizens, children who are just trying to go to school. And by tarring them as racist, you're consigning those people to terrible fear-driven lives that will stunt their ability to seize the opportunities that remain still abundantly available in this country
20: so
5: obvious even by the way al sharpton said something sort of like that this summer that this is only about assuaging the guilt of affluent white liberals and about not help and not helping anyone else heather mcdonald thank you for that i appreciate it thank you tucker
15: The national coalition Stop AAPI Hate has documented at least 2,800 incidents of anti-Asian racism and violence in the U.S. since the pandemic began, with the previous president repeatedly using Asian slurs to refer to COVID-19. Joining me now is Michelle Kim, co-founder and CEO of Awaken. Michelle, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. You know, you wrote a piece um, uh, on Medium that I think everyone should read, and, and I'll, I'll tweet it out um, when the show is over. But to talk a little bit about this from a broader sense, because it feels like a lot of this is concentrated around the pandemic and the previous president's characterization of it. To what extent is that it, is the fact that people are angry about COVID and just blaming any random Asian-American person they see? Let me ask you very quickly before we go. We're running out of time, but is more poli- is more policing the answer? Because the downside to more policing means that police can then maybe target the same communities because a lot of Asian American communities are, are, not, are struggling communities. Because more policing... Pro-
7: yep, we're back to defund the motherfucking police, and it goes really well with the Capitol Theater, so I put them together. Because while they're simultaneously saying there's so much domestic terrorism that our country is under siege by a QAnon, we're going to get rid of police. Democrats passed Bill Critics say defunds police and rejects proposal condemned calls to abolish police. House Democrats passed a controversial police reform bill late on Wednesday evening. The critics argue it would effectively defund the police by costing police departments across the country hundreds of millions of dollars. There was bipartisan support against the bill and only partisan Democrats' support for it. The vote was initially passed by 219 Democrat votes and one Republican vote, with 210 Republicans opposing it and two Democrats opposing it. However, the lone Republican that voted for it, Representative Lance Gooden, announced that he accidentally voted for the bill, and then he changed his official record to vote against the bill. Democrats just voted to fund the police house. Minority Leader McCarthy said the unfunded mandate in their bill, H.R. 1280, would cost police departments hundreds of millions of dollars, the equivalent of taking three Thousand Cops off the street. It's our understanding that H.R. 1280 contains provisions that significantly violate the current unfunded mandate reform act of 1995 threshold of 85 million. It is further understanding that these provisions may in fact result in additional costs to state, local and tribal governments totaling in hundreds of millions of dollars. Why they did that? They simultaneously passed. Introduced. Legislation for universal background checks on gun purchases say they have opportunity to act. Chris Murphy reintroduced the Background Check Expansion Act, which is co-sponsored by 43 Democrats. The bill would require unlicensed or private sellers to conduct a background check on the purchaser before selling them a firearm, including those selling online or gun shows or out of a home. The background check requirement would not apply to law enforcement officers transferring guns between each other, individual borrowing a gun for hunting, media family members gifting guns to each other. Joe Biden and hundreds of congressional candidates from both parties ran on the issue of background checks. This is the year that we're going to do it. And then we have the theatrics. That is Joe Green who introduced six Articles of impeachment against Trump six different times. Because the Capitol was under siege.
5: The greatest threat we face, not inflation, not China, QAnon, everyone's saying it. But you may be wondering, just how dangerous is QAnon? Well, here's the answer. The District of Columbia National Guard announced today that all troops who took part in the mission to protect our democracy from Internet conspiracy theorists will now receive medals in recognition of their heroic sacrifice. Now, the primary medal is called the Presidential Inauguration Support Ribbon. That's for people who were there for President Biden's inauguration. But that medal will be supplemented, in cases in which our heroes have earned it, by the Emergency Service Ribbon. So if you're a DC guardsman who's been on duty in the city since late January, protecting America from Trump voters, you can add another medal to your chest and more may be coming. According to Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Robert Carver, and we're not making any of this up, by the way, Carver made the announcement today and said this, quote, other federal decorations are also being considered. Wow, that seems like a big deal. How big? Here's some context. More than 60,000 American soldiers and Marines fought on Guadalcanal in the South Pacific during the Second World War. About 15,000 of them died or were wounded there. But not one of those men, not one, got an official Guadalcanal medal for the experience because the Pentagon didn't offer them. Guadalcanal may have been horrible and bloody, but it just didn't justify its own ribbon. Guadalcanal wasn't North Capitol Street. The Imperial Japanese weren't as fanatical as Trump voters and not half as dangerous. No medal. So yesterday they told us the war against QAnon was likely to escalate intensely. March 4th would be the Ted Offensive in the fight against right-wing insurrectionism. It was something called QAnon Inauguration Day. Now, we'd never heard of that before, but then we don't work at the FBI. The FBI has been monitoring the enemy's SIGINT that signals intelligence for the neophytes out there. That means tweets, Facebook posts, TikToks, James Bond stuff. According to what our guys were hearing in the field, QAnon was preparing an invasion of Washington, and that means thousands of bearded, groovy shamans in Viking hats marching across the Key Bridge to pillage Georgetown cupcakes and end our democracy. It's a gruesome sight. Needless to say, Nancy Pelosi stopped work in the House of Representatives so that members of Congress could flee the city for their lives. And then he did. Andy Kim, for example, he's a congressman from New Jersey. He wrote this, poignant. This all seems absurd if it wasn't frightening. He prepared to flee the Capitol on March 3rd and wrote wrote his, in effect, diary on Twitter, the diary of Andy Kim. Now our legislative plan tomorrow has been canceled as we are rushing tonight to finish the work we plan to do. Thousands of National Guard and Capitol Police will be on edge tomorrow as they stand watch over the Capitol. They will worry about possible attacks by American citizens. Andy Kim was panicked. He sounds like a man preparing for the worst. Quote, another wave of sadness comes from the fact that this is not getting better. The FBI director said this threat is metastasizing. And so Andy Kim became a refugee in his own country. But not everyone ran from the sound of the approaching QAnon shamans. A few hardened war correspondents ran toward that sound. That's what they do. Chris Bedford of the Federalist is a man like that. While our elected representatives were clinging to the struts of the last chopper out of the city, Chris Bedford was at the Capitol itself, the center of the battle. Here was the scene there.
20: I was uh, told that uh, all those conservatives are insurrecting today. Am I at the wrong place?
5: No, Chris Bedford, you weren't in the wrong place. There was simply nobody there. It took the Washington Post five crack reporters to determine this. They rushed to the scene. Their conclusion? On Capitol Hill, wrote the five Washington Post reporters, quote, The streets were quiet. People walked their dogs in the morning sun. Masked students sat on steps drinking coffee. Construction crews continued with their projects. That was their dispatch. Jeff Bezos spared no expense. One reporter assigned to monitor the construction crews. Another on the dog walking beat. No one there. So why wasn't there anyone there? Where was the QAnon battle? What, said MSNBC? What QAnon battle? Nobody really thought there was gonna be a QAnon battle. Watch.
18: Have we learned more about any specifics of this threat? Or, or, or are you starting to think this is under the umbrella of maybe we're, we're being a little more precautious since we underreacted on January 6th? Uh, definitely the latter, Chuck. No question about it. Um, the, the intelligence that was gathered by uh, law enforcement, I'm told, was of a specific group talking about the idea of doing an attack on the Capitol today on March 4th talking about an idea in other words aspirational i don't think anybody uh, expected anything to happen today uh, but nonetheless uh, you know abundance of caution seems to be the watch phrase here
5: being precautious said chuck todd totally unfamiliar with his native language precautious of course not being an actual word in english but the key line from that clip and the one that you need to remember is i don't think anybody expected anything to happen on March 4th at the Capitol. But wait a second, you sticklers for for precision might be asking, didn't the FBI issue a bulletin warning the country that a military force was planning to seize control of the Capitol building? And then didn't they put up razor wire around the whole place and send in thousands of soldiers with rifles? And then didn't Congressman Kim and his friends run away in sadness and terror and then tweet about it? Yeah, that all happened, but it wasn't a big deal. It was just a drill. Just a drill, you can relax now, as you were. Now that's one explanation for the empty capital yesterday. But by the time night fell, and the city remains quiet, except of course in the poor neighborhoods where people were still shooting one another in ever-growing numbers, no one noticing. But by the time night fell, MSNBC had decided that in fact, they had saved the day. It turns out QAnon didn't invade Washington because neoliberal cable news anchors successfully defended our country. What Joshua Chamberlain was to Little Round Top, Chris Hayes was to QAnon Inauguration Day. Watch.
18: This was the scene in Washington, D.C. today, where two months after the attempted insurrection, the area around the Capitol is still on lockdown because of worries over postings on QAnon forums about a plot for another violent attack today, March 4th. Thankfully, nothing happened.
1: March fourth is a weird one, so um, hang on with me. But uh, and I will say that media coverage of how silly this all is made it seemingly less palatable for QAnon people huh. um, over the last week. It's a lot, Chris. Um, it always is with these people. Luckily, they stayed behind a computer.
5: Oh, what well, totally makes sense. It turns out QAnon's battalions look to MSNBC for their news coverage. It's on in the QAnon break room. And after watching Chris Hayes and Brandi Zadrozny flex their intellectual muscles, they realized they were totally outgunned. These MSNBC people are just too clever. So QAnon decided to stay home and fight another day. Newsweek, for one, was not buying that explanation. A reporter at Newsweek came up with this explanation. QAnon theorists switched the date to March 20th. After no Trump inauguration, they call the March 4th date a false flag. Well, how did Newsweek know what QAnon QAnon, was up to? Well, the story explained, because a man called Ken had, quote, told reporter Dave Weigel that Donald Trump will be inaugurated again on March 20th. Oh, it's a Dave Weigel story. So in other words, forget everything you heard about March 4th, Ken told Dave the real invasion is gonna be March 20th, so be afraid. At some point, listening to these various explanations, the hysteria never ending, you've got to wonder how the Democratic Party and its minions in the news media are different from any other doomsday cult. They're always telling us the world is gonna end, whether it's from global warming or a white nationalist insurrection. And when the world doesn't end, they don't even pause, and they don't seem ashamed. They just change the date of the world ending. It's all pretty embarrassing, but they never seem embarrassed. Jean Dixon used to do this, remember her? She was a professional psychic. She had a column in hundreds of papers for decades. Jean Dixon once predicted the world would end on February 4th, 1962. Did it end? No, actually it didn't. Spoiler alert, the world didn't end in 1962. And when it didn't, Jean Dixon very cleverly just extended the timeline and then predicted Armageddon in 2020. Lucky for Jean Dixon, she was long dead by 2020 and she didn't have to explain why the world still existed, not that anyone would have asked. So it looks like Nancy
8: Pelosi is our Jane Dixon, a batty old... ...soothsayer
5: who just happens to run the Congress. How long until that Ken guy who talked to Dave, the one in the Newsweek article, winds up in an FBI bulletin justifying another indefinite extension of the occupation of the Capitol, more razor wire. Really, I don't think these guns are powerful enough. Let's bring in howitzers. We're not even joking. Remember, the FBI isn't concerned with what's actually going to happen. They're concerned with what one or two random people write online or put on TikTok. And as long as what those people Put on TikTok justifies more power for the people in charge, the FBI, their slavish servants, will put it all in a terror alert and scare the crap out of the country to justify even more power for their bosses. How do we know they do this? Because they've done it a lot. They did it in January. And then our media repeated it without any hesitation whatsoever.
6: Here's our breaking news tonight. The FBI warning Americans armed protests are being planned for Washington, D.C. and all 50 state capitals in the days leading up to Joe Biden's inauguration next week. Capitals all across America, all 50 state capitals under threat of armed protests
19: in the run up to inauguration. The worry now is that the targets could expand along with the planning from the U.S. Capitol to all 50 state capitals. To so-called soft targets, mirroring those attacked by jihadi terrorists.
7: An internal FBI bulletin obtained by CNN now says the bureau has received information indicating planning is now underway for armed, repeat, armed protests at all 50 state capitals and the U.S. Capitol leading up to President-elect Biden's inauguration.
5: Uh, Armed, repeat, armed The dummies were terrified. They have a news alert for you. QAnon was coming to quote all 50 state capitals and the U.S. capital. That's 51. Okay. according to the FBI, QAnon was about to go national, if not international. The sleeper cells were going to activate. And it wasn't simply CNN that obtained the memo. Don Lamont had it, but he wasn't the only one who had it. NBC had it, too. And NBC assured us that our state capitals were under imminent threat tonight.
3: A new FBI memo warning about the possibility of armed protests across all 50 state
18: capitals ahead of Inauguration Day. Starting perhaps on or around uh, the 17th of January, there's going to be the potential for armed protests uh, at state capitals. Oh, man. Armed. Armed. All
5: 50 state capitals and the U.S. Capitol. According to the FBI, the bulletin. Whatever happened to those 51 armed protests? Well, they came down actually to just one guy, a dude called Mark Leguiero. You'll see him here peacefully waving a flag at the state capitol in Albany, New York. Here he is.
9: I come out, I uh, wanted to be part of the Patriot Party, join supporters of Trump, you know, and I find myself uh, kind of uh, by myself out here. But come out here with uh, nothing but peaceful intentions and to be peaceful, I wanted to uh, You know, everything to be peaceful.
5: You ever notice how all like the scary Internet conspiracy theorists, radical QAnon people, and you actually see them on camera or in jail cells, as a lot of them now are. Maybe they're kind of confused. Maybe they've got the wrong ideas, but they're all kind of gentle people. They're all kind of waving American flags. They like the country. They're not torching Wendy's. They're not looting retail stores. They're not shooting cops. No, that's not them. It's the other people doing that. That guy with the beard? Good thing he wasn't shot to death by the police, like Ashley Babbitt. He might be if he tried that today. What's amazing is that even as they lie to us again and again and again about the threat of QAnon and the insurrection, the white supremacist militia hiding in the closet, hyping it all beyond recognition, doing it for their own psychological reasons, obviously, but also for political reasons, even as they do all of that, they downplay and they ignore actual violence in this country violence that is rapidly accelerating in every city in the nation and killing a lot of people it's been going on for months watch an ap reporter called john lemire deny this week that there were violent
18: blm riots this summer this clip is real in June, these were nonviolent protesters, racially mixed, a lot of young people, and fueled by the Black Lives Matter movement. Those outraged by the death of George Floyd, a black man killed under the knee of a white police officer in Minnesota. There was no violence there. And the Biden White House has made it clear that they they think that the threat posed by domestic terrorism is equal to that posed by international terror groups like ISIS, which is such a a sobering thought that fellow Americans could be perceived as such a dangerous threat uh, to their countrymen and women. There was no violence in Minneapolis? Have you
5: been there, Dumbo? We were there two weeks ago. Go to where George Floyd died, outside the market where he died on the sidewalk. It's trash. The whole area is trash. The police station down the road is still boarded up because the lunatics burned it. Oh, no, there was no violence. No, it was more like a Pepsi commercial. It was multiracial. They were holding arms. No, it was QAnon who did it. Feel or how do you feel about the
21: decision to extend the security perimeter uh, and the presence of the National Guard at the Capitol?
17: It's something we have to do, unfortunately, because the threat of white nationalists and, and and white supremacists is real. You know, they are continuing to organize and galvanize across this country. Uh, there are many examples of them infiltrating uh, law enforcement across this country. So we have to make sure the capital is protected and our elected officials are protected. But we also have to be proactive. You know, we cannot take the threat of white nationalism lightly. You know, over the last several years uh they've made their presence uh felt, whether it's the um uh the Tree of Life synagogue uh shooting, the Christ Church uh shooting which happened overseas, as well as the AME AME church shooting, and then obviously the January sixth insurrection. Uh, we have to do everything we can to protect ourselves and protect the capital, but we also have to be proactive in dealing with the issue of white nationalism in a very serious way.
18: Before I let you go, sir, finally, let's be very clear as to the different makeup of these protesters, of the people we saw in June versus the people we saw in January. In June, these were non-violent protesters, racially mixed, a lot of young people, fueled by the Black Lives Matter movement, those outraged by the death of George Floyd, a black man killed under the knee of a white police officer in Minnesota. There was no violence there. The president instead cleared Lafayette Square, cleared the protesters with uh, using military personnel as part of the response, using a chemical akin to tear gas, pushing them out in order to have a photo op we remember his awkward stroll across the park and then standing there in front of the church holding a Bible as if he had never held one before. And then, of course, let's remember who was there in January. These were Trump supporters. They were white. They were people who, as has been well documented, if the racial makeup of that group had been different, the response at the Capitol likely would have been different as
5: well. And we Thanks so much for coming. on. I was in Washington for 9-11 mm-hmm. when the plane commandeered by Al Qaeda hit the Pentagon very close by. There was no security response like this, nothing even close to this. It seems like Congress has saved this response, the troops in the razor wire, for American citizens. They seem to fear American citizens more than they fear Al-Qaeda.
20: Yeah, they do, and we look historically, Tucker, there are more troops there than protected the Washington after the defeat at Bull Run in 1861. More after Jubal early the Confederate generals attempt to take Washington in 1864 there's more troops there now than we used to put down 40,000 bonus marchers in 1932 there's more troops there now than a week of riding after the tragic death of martin luther king that and the 13 people died in washington a thousand were injured there's more troops there now and why are there and we haven't heard one word from the 280 generals and national security officials that damned Donald Trump and said don't dare bring one federal uh, soldier in when the St. John's uh, Church was torched on June 6th and 7th and there was a threat to spill into the White House. So this is a political matrix. And I think that the Quinon and all of these other things they're bringing in is because they've lost the American people. You know, there's a liberal Harvard Harris poll that just came out in the last week of February and it's a very instructive poll. They asked people, do you believe that the Capitol events on January 16th are being used to punish conservative expression? Not one or two points. Two to one Americans said yes. Do you believe that the summer riots or the January 6th riot pose the greatest threat to you? But overwhelmingly, 10 points, the summer riots. Do you think Antifa is a terrorist organization. Yes, 70 percent. That's what the American people feel and they know it So what was this all about? It was taking a mob a Spontaneous probably leaderless assault that should be punished mostly thugs and brutes that went into the Capitol on January 6th and massaging that into an armed insurrection where five people were supposedly murdered on the conspiracy talk of Donald Trump and now we know two months later that four of the five that died were Donald Trump supporters, only one died violently. She was unlawfully entering the Capitol, shot unarmed by a so far unnamed policeman and the officer who tragically died was not murdered by a Trump supporter. Two months later, it's more likely we know that he had an allergic or some type of idiopathic medical condition. And nobody has been arrested by either possessing or using arms. So it wasn't an arms insurrection. So what was it, Tucker? It was what Rahm Emanuel called in 2008, a, a, never let a serious crisis go to waste as he tried to push through Obamacare It was what Gavin Newsom said when he locked down the state of California And he said never let a crisis go to waste if you want to have a more c- progressive Capitalism It's what Hillary Clinton said in April when she said this quarantine will allow us to have a Obamacare, uh, Ratified throughout the country. That's what it's about full group the list of things American liberals are afraid of can
5: fill an entire shelf of volume. Someone should write them down, actually, to make an amusing reference set. The Encyclopedia of Liberal Neuroses, unabridged. Absolutely everything upsets liberals, agitates them, inflames their allergies. Nature itself is a terrifying experience for liberals because they can't control it. It's got all these sex differences and climate fluctuations. Liberals like this are the ones that you see sporting their little paper obedience masks while they exercise outside on a windy day. They'll pass you on their bicycle struggling to breathe from oxygen deprivation, yet feeling virtuous and protected, and of course, judging you for not wearing the uniform. There's nothing rational about that behavior. It's totally unrelated to science, but you shouldn't be surprised by it. Modern liberalism is not a coherent worldview. It's not a set of principles or ideas. It's a personality type, a deeply unhappy, high-strung personality type. Wokeness is what you get when people are miserable inside. When you're a liberal, the world is a very scary place. But there is one fear that rises above all other fears in the liberal mind, and it's the fear of the other. Like all primitive cultures, modern liberalism is tribal. Outsiders aren't welcome in the fashionable parts of Brooklyn. If you haven't been to Aspen, they don't want to see you in Bethesda or Newton, Mass. You're from away. You're an alien presence and therefore dangerous. That's in fact how liberals understand most of the American continent, as a mysterious dark space like a medieval map populated by drooling Trump voters and violent illiterates with extra chromosomes. Liberals despise people like this, of course, and on some level they know they're hated right back. They worry that someday there will be a backlash against the people in charge, which of course is them. How long can you control everything before the people you control explode? And that's liberals' main fear, a peasant revolt. They're terrified that someday an army of tattooed high school dropouts and Confederate flag tank tops is going to rise up from the trailer parks of West Virginia and take over the country. They'll storm the cities with their 75-caliber AR-15 assault weapon machine guns with flash suppressors, each one of which can fire over a million bullets per minute when mounted on the back of an F-150 pickup truck plastered with racist bumper stickers. That is their nightmare. That is the monster under every liberal's bed. And a lot of liberals were certain that today, this day, March 4th, was the day the right-wing revolution would finally begin. March 4th, they believed, was something called QAnon Inauguration Day. What's QAnon Inauguration Day? We have no idea. We don't know anyone who does know. In fact, we'd bet money that not one Trump voter in a million had ever heard of it until this week when the hysteria merchants on the other channel started yapping about it on television. They'd heard about it from Nancy Pelosi who told her bodyguards to write up a report on the threat of QAnon Inauguration Day. So that's what they did. Here's the excerpt from the bulletin put out by the top minds at DHS and the FBI. Quote, an unidentified group of militia violent extremists has discussed plans to take control of the U.S. Capitol on or about four March today. Well, that sounds pretty scary. Another white supremacist insurrection. But wait a second. Can we get some context? Who exactly are these unidentified violent extremists? And is the threat they pose more or less dangerous, for instance, than the plot by that homeless guy to kidnap the governor of Michigan? The plot the FBI foiled just in time before a platoon of right wing vagrants could abduct Gretchen Whitmer in a shopping cart. We never really learned any details, but members of Congress were not taking chances. Many of them fled the Capitol today. House leaders rescheduled votes so that rank and file legislators could escape with their lives, if not with their dignity. We should be clear this was not simply partisan hysteria. Democrats and Republicans seem united in their shared terror watch republican congressman michael mccall of texas tell you about the imminent threat we face from that diabolical QAnon.
20: this threat is credible and it's it's real it's a right-wing militia group that believes that the original because the original inaugural day was march 4th until the 20th amendment passed uh, they think this is a true inauguration day and that president trump should be inaugurated Ooh, sounds like Michael
5: McCall has been on the internet recently, maybe late at night. That's why he knows the threat of right wing militias, as he told CNN, is credible and real. That was Michael McCall's prediction yesterday. So the question is did QAnon come through? Did the guys in Confederate flag tank tops show up with their 75 caliber machine guns to end democracy? And if they did, what did they do? We can report tonight that if they did try to insurrect, they did it very, very quietly and with minimal casualties. In fact, we didn't see a single person insurrecting at the Capitol today, or for that matter, anywhere else in the United States. Are you shocked? Don't be shocked. It was all just another lie. It wasn't so different from when they told us we would need troops to protect Joe Biden's inauguration. Then they said we would need soldiers to keep QAnon away from the impeachment trial. Then there was today's hysteria. Next, there will be something else. Bet on it. Capitol Police are now saying they will need soldiers in Washington for at least another two months. And of course, actually, the troops will never leave, as you probably figured out by now. The troops are in the capital for political reasons. They're there to prop up the regime. If this were Cameroon, that would all be obvious. Our State Department would complain about it, would say, that's an offense against democracy. But because it's happening here in America, we have been slow to catch on. Hope you figured it out. Today, they made it easier for you to figure out because they said it out loud. Fox News has learned that retired General Russell Honoré has completed his so-called security review of the January 6th riot at the Capitol. Honoré is an unhinged partisan extremist. He is nuttier than anyone affiliated with QAnon. Anyone. Honoré was chosen by Nancy Pelosi precisely because of this. She knew that Honoré would justify a military takeover of Washington. And she was right. In his memorandum to House leaders, which Fox has obtained, that's exactly what Honoré did. His memorandum calls for a, quote, quick reaction force that permanently resides within the DC National Guard by reestablishing a military police battalion and staffing it with active guard reserve troops who live in or near the city year round, perpetually on active duty. We're going to repeat that year round, perpetually on active duty. Soldiers occupying our capital city, the seat of our government, forever. This is very strange behavior for a democracy, if you think about it for a moment. In a democracy, leaders are supposed to rule with the consent of the government. That's what democracy is. And you would think that might have occurred to some people on Capitol Hill. If we're this afraid of American voters, maybe something's wrong. Maybe we're not doing a very good job. Maybe we ought to shut up for a second and listen to the complaints of the people whose lives we control. Maybe then we wouldn't need razor wire around the Capitol. Seems obvious. But apparently no one in Washington has thought of this. Instead, they've convinced themselves that the only Americans who have a problem with the way things are currently going, the only people, for example, who could possibly believe the last election wasn't totally fair, those people must, by definition, have been brainwashed by QAnon. The other day, 60 Minutes decided to take a deeper look into this dangerous cult that's saying unapproved things about our leaders. Intrepid CBS correspondent sat down with QAnon's spiritual leader. Not in a cave in Kandahar, but over Zoom from a conference room in jail where he's now being held without bail. Here, ladies and gentlemen, is QAnon Shaman. It's Chief Mullah. You may recognize him from the videos as Chewbacca Guy, stripped of his Viking horns.
17: Your
16: actions on January 6 were an attack on this country. Do you understand that? No, well, not, ma'am. My actions were not an attack on this country. That is incorrect. That is inaccurate entirely. How would you describe them? My actions personally? On January 6. My actions on January 6, how would I describe them? Well, I sang a song. And that's a part of shamanism. It's about um, creating positive vibrations in a sacred chamber. I also stopped people from stealing and vandalizing that sacred space, the Senate. Okay, I actually stopped somebody from stealing muffins out of, the, out of the brave room. I also said a prayer in that sacred chamber because it was my intention to bring divinity and to bring God back into the Senate. But Jake, legally you were not allowed to be in what you're calling the sacred chamber and that is and that is the one very serious regret that i have was believing that when we were waved in by police officers that it was acceptable do you still believe you're a patriot i consider myself a lover of my country i consider myself a believer in the constitution i consider myself a believer in truth and our founding principles i consider myself a believer in god
5: Okay, so you've been taking notes on that interview with the spiritual leader of QAnon. Chewbacca guy sang a song, then he spread some good vibes, and then he waved at the officers in the Capitol, and they waved back. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the kind of thing that can happen in a country where QAnon shamans are allowed to roam the streets. And it's not just Chewbacca guy who threatens this democracy. In February, the feds indicted several members of a group called the Oath Keepers, Those indicted included a 60-year-old woman and her 70-year-old husband. They're terrorists, too. Geriatric, but deadly. Texas Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee understands all this, of course. She gets the outline. Sheila Jackson Lee sits on the House Homeland Security Committee. So she knows a thing or two about law enforcement, about keeping this nation safe from threats foreign and domestic. In order to live without fear in America, Sheila Jackson Lee has announced, we're going to need to arrest a lot of people. Not just Chewbacca guy tens of thousands of people. As Sheila Jackson Lee put it on Twitter two days ago, quote, in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, where it is alleged that 40,000 protesters were in D.C. with the mindset to overturn a legitimate election and kill the speaker, the vice president, and members of Congress. In that instant, only 300 persons have now been arrested and are being prosecuted. What kind of justice is that? That's right, 40,000. So if you went to a Trump rally in January, you need to be in federal custody tonight. Your political views are a form of insurrection, of terrorism. General Honoré has plans for you. On MSNBC yesterday, one anchor explained that voting against the consensus in Washington is the very same as murder. Watch.
17: We will get
19: further and further away from this event, Uh, but it will never change the fact that Josh Hawley was responsible for uh, these deaths that occurred on Capitol Hill, for this act of insurrection, the worst insurrection uh, by
7: domestic terrorists in US history uh, into our government. I'll never be as good as Tucker Carlson. That is just some funny ass shit, but he's spot on. This stuff is a joke. It is a joke. They're using it for theater? That's why this idiot was up on the steps? So he can do a photo op? That's why they all tweeted and left town? Duped. National Guard and media stake out state capitals, but pro-Trump unarmed rising never materialized. Then, Newsweek, as you heard in the Tucker thing, oh no, now it's March 20th because some guy said it. I... And in line with it, because Joy Reid needs uh, ratings, uh, right-wingers say the N-word to make things work. They all want to say the N-word. We're all racist, because they need this shit. Rachel Bovard, the FBI confirmed the Washington Post just last week, with regard to threats on the Capitol on March 4th while the House is out today, they don't have any indication of violence or specific credible plot at this time. A.P., Capitol Police asked the National Guard to remain at the U.S. Capitol for two more months. From WAPO, on the 3rd, an FBI official told the Washington Post last week that leaders were aware of the QAnon chatter surrounding March 4th, but said we don't have any indication of violence or specific credible plot. It's some people talking. A person talking. And while this is going on, Listen to this. The guy clicking through a web page. Dismissed without prejudice. Kyle Aboshi. For months, I've been tracking dozens of federal cases stemming from last summer's protests in downtown Portland where they insurrected a state house, federal houses, courthouse. They're still doing it. We played your last podcast. They're still insurrecting. Thirty-four of ninety cases have quietly been dismissed by the U.S. Department of Justice, including both misdemeanor and felony charges. More than half of the dropped charges were dismissed with with prejudice, which severely, which several former federal prosecutors described as extremely rare, including felony assault on Leo. This is infuri- infuriating. This is a part of why violence keeps happening. No consequences. Another person. It's total BS. Why are taxpayers paying to clean up the millions of dollars in damage they cause if there are no consequences for the offenders? Well, because they're in the right political group. Or they're black. Sheila Jackson Lee. Testimony today on the Hill evidence that in the Portland protests, 1,000 people were arrested. People protesting against the violence that was evident in the George Floyd murder. People wanting good things to happen in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, where it is alleged that 40,000 protesters were in D.C. with a mindset to overturn a legitimate election. I won't read anymore. That's that's what we had in the Tucker soundbite. But basically, that they're outright just saying it. And the media, this conglomerate of obey motherfuckers, they're parroting it. They used the Capitol riot for political theater. That's all they did. And they're still doing it. And the media's along with it. And the left's along with it. And Twitter's along with it. And that's why you don't know why uh, Ashley Bammett was shot in the fucking face. That's why they won't even release why Siskin died. Because it was natural causes like everything fucking else. I mean, here are just some of the stuff. Uh... To my knowledge, none. Senator Ron Johnson asked FBI official how many firearms were confiscated. None, because it wasn't armed. FBI official says no guns were recovered during the Capitol arrest. Capitol Police say they intercepted Intelligent plot by Militia Group to breach the Capitol Thursday, and that article shows that it was one person said it. But then you have this Photo op, house to wrap, early cancel Thursday session due to militia, and there's a picture that's even worse than the, the the green one where they're all standing on front. They're all there. They're just using this stuff to do whatever they want. It's all smoke and mirrors. Oh we gotta do this because of that while they're ramming in a very extreme bills. Driver accused a cop hating Portland City councilor of hit and run accident. Police say Joanne Hardesty not a suspect. Press release hit and run investigation under why city commissioner ruled out a suspect, but everybody up there says it was her all over them. It's there. It's just that's what they do. They all get away with whatever the fuck they want because they're the right political group. If you're the right political group, you can do whatever you want. Eric Solwell suing suing Trump for emotional distress. And now as you saw on that, they're going to get a ribbon. The National Guard's getting a ribbon. Really? What, for eating MREs? But CNN had time to dog tuck.
13: In January, Fox had its worst ratings in two decades, and now it's going even further off the anti-truth rails in an effort to remedy that. Fox is going full Tucker. More outrageousness, more extreme opinion, and consider what that means. Tucker Carlson, who recently won a slander case filed against him, is not exactly a graduate of the Joe Friday School of Journalism. If you want just the facts, his show is certainly not the place to go. Just take a look at this. A federal judge wrote this opinion last year in a case that Carlson won, dismissing a defamation case against him. The judge in that case said Fox's lawyers, quote, persuasively argued the general tenor of Carlson's show should then inform a viewer that Carlson is not stating actual facts about the topics he discusses and is instead engaging in exaggeration and non-literal commentary. The judge said Fox was convincing as it made the case, quote, that given Mr. Carlson's reputation, any reasonable viewer arrives with an appropriate amount of skepticism about the statements he makes, end quote. And yet still, what he dishes out is what a huge chunk of the country is consuming as if it's the gospel. Clearly, Carlson and Fox are, to quote Demi Lovato, sorry, not sorry. So this should come as no surprise. Fox CEO, Lachlan Murdoch, son of Fox founder Rupert Murdoch, telling an investment group the network is now the loyal opposition to the Biden administration and quoting Murdoch here the main beneficiary of the Trump administration from a ratings point of view is MSNBC. That's because they were the loyal opposition. That's what our job is now with the Biden administration. You'll see our ratings really improve, he said. CNN chief media correspondent Brian Stelter is here with me uh, now. Well, I mean, transparency, at least, Brian.
11: I guess so. After 10, 15 years of this network claiming it's just fair and balanced every time it's turned further to the right. Now, the younger Murdoch is admitting what the network is all about. It is an anti-Democrat network. That's the agenda. You know, the spin today, Brianna, is he was talking about the opinion shows, but the opinion shows are what define Fox News. All of the newscasts have been shrinking and the audience for those news programs has been shrinking as well. Fox viewers want the red meat provided by Tucker Carlson. And by the way, who is Lachlan Murdoch's closest um, friend or associate at Fox? It's Tucker Carlson. The channel is increasingly the Tucker Carlson channel. And that tells you everything you need to know about the Fox News playbook right now.
13: Yeah, look, we know there are a shrinking and small group of straight news journalists at Fox. But it is a small section of what is at Fox. They're in the reporter ranks. They're not the ones in general hosting shows. And increasingly, Fox is moving into what the primetime has made them, uh, you know, has made them into. Murdoch admitted that the Fox audience, Brian, is disappointed in the election results. How much does that factor into this strategy moving forward and the Fox lineup?
11: That is the the, the big story. That is the major factor. The Fox audience does not want to hear bad news about Republicans, does not want to hear good news about Democrats. So this is all a ratings ploy. And uh, it is very clear from the programming and from the sources inside Fox who are speaking out about it. Uh, It is notable that Lachlan was speaking to investors saying, hey, the ratings are going to come back. The viewers are going to come home. And to some extent, that is starting to become true. But this is all about business. It's all about profit. I think when people wanna understand how this propaganda machine works and when it doesn't work, ultimately it is about Rupert and Lachlan Murdoch and how much money they can make from all of this. You know, Brianna, there is another Murdoch son, James Murdoch, he's on the outside. He's much more liberal. He is disgusted by the Tucker Carlson's of the world. But right now he's not involved. He's biding his time wondering if someday he might be able to come in, try to take over. That would be a kind of HBO drama-worthy moment. But so far, there's no sign of that. Right now, this channel is moving further and further to the right, to the point that I had one source of Fox say to me, I feel like we've gone so far right, we've fallen over.
13: Yeah. I mean, look, Tucker Carlson 2020 has a problem with what Tucker Carlson 2021 is doing. So that tells (laughs) you something. Um, Brian Stelter, thank you so much. Republicans, um, as you know, David, in I think something like 40-plus state houses around the country are now focused on um, what they call election security, what Democrats call voting rights restrictions. And, I mean, sometimes Republicans have even admitted they're looking to sort of game how they can win again. And they have to put some of these uh, provisions in, they believe. I mean, as we know from the people in charge, Republicans even, this was the safest, most secure election in our history that we know of, or our, our recent history. And so the idea that all these measures are being fought for, how are we to interpret that?
9: Well, I think it's such an important point. And just to underline what you've said, this was such a safe and secure election. It was a miracle. We did it in a pandemic. Uh, and there was no evidence of irregularities
7: or fraud. Yeah, I put the little sound bite on the back of that cuz uh, yeah, you said it's the safest election ever. 80 election changes, nothing was wrong. It's it's all good. Let's go to our illegal aliens. Big thing this week, of course, was that picture right there. They're wearing Biden shirts, and everybody thinks that's great. Right now, as we know, 108 illegal immigrants released by Border Patrol were tested positive, but we're not testing any of those people. Large number of migrants arrive at U.S.-Mexican border wearing Biden T-shirts. Even CNN is starting to disagree with the, oh, this is, yeah, it's bad. It's a fucking emer- a crisis on the border because you guys fucked up. Big time by saying, come on down. Will Biden and DHS secretary think that Axios report constitutes a border crisis? Axios, leaked internal documents, Department of Health and Human Services show how quickly the number of child immigrants uh, or child migrants crossing the border is overwhelming the resources. Resources. They're opening up pre-COVID facilities because they can't put them all in there. It's worse than people realize. Former ICE advisor threat on Biden and changes disturbing. John Fair, the Biden administration has locked ICE public safety alert account, which informed the public about fugitive criminal aliens. The count had been up since 2013. That wasn't Trump. It seems the Biden men locked the ICE alerts because if you were to report the location of one of these dangerous aliens to ICE, it would have become too obvious that these assaulters, drug dealers, thieves, and drunk drivers are now allowed just to go free under Biden policy. The Biden administration is also no longer updating the account. Here are some of the public alerts posted by ICE over the past year, and they were bad dudes. It's worse than people realize. For example, the Biden admin apparently doesn't want you to report to ICE this illegal alien charged with sex abuse of minor. He was previously re- released by the New York Police Department. Here's his record: charged and convicted felony sexual assault, of course of sexual act with child less than eleven, sexual abuse, sexual subject another person to sex contact without consent. The Biden man also doesn't want you to report this is sex assault or criminal history, charge, forcible touching, sexual touch intimate parts of another person. Or this one, third degree assault with intent to cause physical injury, act of manner to injured child less than 17, 15 physical contact with underage child. Or this one, armed robbery, armed with firearm, three counts. He looks like a meth head. And this goes on and on. So it's just not the COVID. They are letting them all come in. But here's Chris Wallace. and has a problem on their hands on immigration policy. You could even call it a crisis. Direct quote. Because he doesn't want to call it a crisis. Because he's still pro-Biden because he was so anti-Trump. He doesn't realize he's a fucking journalist. But it doesn't matter because Joe Biden lauds Indian-Americans... Like Mars rover scientists Swati Mohan and V.B. Kamala Harris. They're taking over the country. Do you know what would happen to Trump if he said that? Anybody? Does anybody know what would happen? It would be fucking crazy. And let's just talk about how bad our media is. Warner Media CEO apologizes. COVID's been great for ratings. Yeah. yeah, it has. Blackout. This is just the news. A non-biased news source. Blackout. White House curbs press. Public access as Biden struggles with public demand of the job. Visitor logs withheld. Tours canceled. Petitioning system takedown. No press conference. Record length of an incoming president not having a press conference. But they're not upset about it. The media's not butt hurt. Why would they? Paging Tater, taking Brian Seltzer's cue, Drew Holden notes what CNN is not covering on the webpage. Jeremy Barr, Fox News, Charlie Cook on Dr. Seuss, CNN, FBI Director on Insurrection, MSDNC, FBI on Insurrection. CNN homepage, Drew Holden. Now as a reaction to recent Tucker Carlson show, An article about Beto O'Rourke, maybe perhaps running for elected office, and a big call out for QAnon-related graffiti, and zero mentions of embattled Governor Andrew Cuomo. Yeah, but it's Fox. Fox is the problem. They're just the problem. And so is racism. Everything.
21: no equivalency by any measure between antifa or any political left terrorism right now and what's going on on the political right and i always like to remind people when they hear antifa that means anti-fascist which is in response to another so if you have antifa then you have fa or as in fascist which comes down to white supremacy. It's the number one issue in the country in terms of domestic terrorism and terrorism overall.
15: Well, it says something about one political party when they think that the most dangerous thing are people who are against fascism. I think it says more about them than about Antifa. They're more like Al Qaeda because in the case of Al Qaeda, they are embedded in and have the support of the government. That was part of the reason we wound up in Afghanistan. They're being shielded by the government in Afghanistan. In this case, even some of the people in the hearings want to defend fundamentally the people who committed the attack on our on our country because they view them as part of their base they need their votes and so they don't want to harm them they don't want to end uh their power They, they they i don't know how you can investigate something that one of our two major political parties sees as part of their base
12: Like an al-Qaeda that has just a handful of individuals that it was able to sneak into this country. The fact that you have so many of these individuals, and as you point out, there are politicians who not only coddle them, but continue to fuel the sentiments that gives rise to their violent attacks. This is a time now, in light of the sacking of the Capitol on January 6th, as well as the surge in domestic terrorism, to review the statutory authorities of the FBI, the, the collection and analytic capabilities, the distribution system of the information that they have, but there is going to be tension between um, civil liberties and privacy on the one hand and the FBI's investigative method.
19: They're trying to play. Like, we just saw it this weekend at that coven of, you know, all of these kind of <laughs> wicked ideas
6: about what's happening in society. Can you I s- say something, Chris? Let me say something about that. Yes, please. Every so, you know, I've, I've been here for what 14, 15 years, so a long time at CNN and, and not once. And I've been covering international news for over a decade here at CNN, going on two decades, who knows? I've never heard on the street, anybody in my personal life, Democrat or Republican, say, oh my gosh, I've got the CPAC, I can't wait to hear the speeches at CPAC, CPAC, no one ever talks about CPAC. But every single media station covers CPAC, and it is the extreme of the extreme. Most of the, the, the sensible Republicans that I know don't even go to the CPAC conference. They don't even pay attention to the CPAC con- conference. I think it's simply a creation and an obsession with the media about the CPAC conference. No one gives a crap. I wish you were right, but it has become
19: the pregame show on that side. You don't really, <laughs> really have a left equivalent. I don't mean any disrespect to the different grassroots organizations and issue. You call um, it a coven. That's where it reminded me of that, but go on. Sorry. It was a coven. It, they were around talking about QAnon conspiracies and all these
6: lies and magical thinking of ways to kill their opponents. Um, My point proven. But, you remember when I called it for what it is a couple of years ago, and everyone came after me when I st- talked about domestic terrorism and um, the right wing and, and and white terrorist. Um, and man, I, ju- I got I, it. I
19: get. You know, I had Adam Schiff on tonight, and he had a bill out in 2019 that his party didn't like either. I get people wanting to go slow about what kind of intel operations you know The CIA is not supposed to operate here. Yeah. What you do with Americans. I get it. Yeah. But when you know they're trying to kill us in organized fashion.
14: When these things unfold, Joy, it feels like nobody cares. That's When you see all these health professionals yeah. just feeling slapped down, it feels like nobody cares. And that's, that's how many yeah. Texas, Mississippians, they're all feeling that way tonight.
15: No, absolutely. I'm sure the doctors are exhausted. And, you know, Jason, there is a term called necropolitics, which is essentially the politics of who gets to live and who gets to die.
7: Because, of course, everything's about race for Joy Reid. She's a race hustler. She needs those those 300,000 white liberals who hate themselves. Yeah. Stephen L. Miller starts us in our racism stuff because I'm putting Nazi and racist in the same bag it's all the same. Just amazing work all around, guys. Alyssa Milano, in other words, Hyatt is totally fine with hosting Nazis. The Daily Beast, Hyatt calls out CPAC for a born stage shaped like a Nazi ruin. Dear Hyatt, are you okay with Nazi symbols being used on your property? Sarah Beth Roseberg. Hyatt calls hate symbols abhorrent after CPAC stage compared to sign used by Nazis. And then we find out, as we did the last time, that it was actually just the design people that worked for Biden. And then Hyatt comes out and says, we host everybody. Fuck off. Which is what everybody should say. Everybody. And CPAC says, we're not going to use the pro-Biden site anymore. So now it's back in your court, dickheads. Design firm takes responsibility of CPAC. Yeah. Implicit bias is nothing but divisive junk science. This Kendi X guy, understand, they are going to let him do a Marvel comic now. Just a Marvel comic shit that just blows me the fuck away. He's going to ruin I think it's Batman. Because he has made an entire job about you're a racist, doesn't matter what you do. Do this training, you're still a racist. I like this one I took an anti racist training workshop for parents. Here's what I learned Going to County, Maryland, one of the nation's most affluent areas, uh, parents of elementary age children were encouraged to participate in a caregiver training program on anti racism program was run through the Ashburn Elementary School. The session lasted about an hour and was run by a restorative justice advocate hired by the school district. Let me refresh this because I had to sign in and now I'm signed in. There we go. Uh, I attended the elementary school anti-racist training workshop for parents. It was led by Greg Mahones, a school principal in Yale-Aster. One, race is a social construct. We know fully that conversations about race get people heart-pumping. They create anxious anxieties because they can certainly be uncomfortable. If you're feeling that as an adult, there's a certain sum of that going on with our students as well. The slides proceed to teach parents that while they may be talking about race, race does not exist because it's a social construct. They took that from the gay people. Don't question the training. That makes you racist. The ground rules of the training were that parents must prioritize impact over intent. This meant that if my comments had a negative impact on someone, regardless of what my intent was, I might be accused of being rude or potentially racist. Three, I should be talking about race all the fucking time, including imagery, to my children, and brainwash them so they'll vote. Damn. Hmm. And the guy everybody's turning to, Ibram X. Kendi. The heartbeat of racial racism denial, and too often the more powerful the racism. The more powerful the denial. JAMA. No physician is racist, so how can there be a structural racism in healthcare? An explanation of the idea of Doctors for Doctors in the user-friendly podcast from the great Dr. Katz, New York City, And E.H.L. Jama. People who follow him and read his books, I find a similar thing. I can guarantee the more beautiful woman denies she's interested in me, the more the means that she is secretly longing for me every waking moment of the day. (laughs) That explains why Christina Hendricks hasn't replied to any of my letters. It's true. Racists have many black friends purely as cover. I clearly erase myself, forced myself into mating with someone of a different race just so I can have token children to hide my racism. She doesn't think I'm racist, but she's just an Uncle Tom. <laughs> and it devolves from there. Everybody doesn't take this guy serious, except for the idiots. Dr. John Jason Johnson. Yes, because code switching, mask wearing, and all the other hoops that black people have to go through to please enough of the majority to even get into law school isn't the issue. But censoring yourself from saying the N-word amongst friends is. Barry Weiss. Self-censorship is the norm, not the exception. A student at one of the country's top law schools wrote, I self-censor even though talking to some of my best friends for fear of getting it around. Joy Ann, pro-democracy, and mask read. I'll say it again. People on the right would like to trade all the tax cuts for the ability to openly say the N-word like in the good old days. To them, not being able to be openly racist and discriminatory without consequences is oppression. Trump is the avatar for this freedom. You see how it's always circular logic. It always comes back to you're racist. People talk about self-censoring. They're not talking about race. They're about, hey... There's only two genders. Hey, I don't believe we need to do the Green New Deal to save the planet. Hey, I think we need more cops, not less. You can't say those anymore. There was a segment on Tucker Carlson last night of a principal who got fired because he brought up Google was fucked up. And, And I got an article here. It was for the cancel. Google. Whether or how a given algorithmic behavior should be addressed. If a representation is factually accurate, can, I still, can it still be algorithmic, algorithmic unfairness? Yes, for example, imagine that a Google imagery query for CEO shows predominantly men. Even if it was a factually accurate representation of the world, it would be an algorithmic unfairness because it would reinforce the stereotype about the role of women in leadership positions. However, factual accuracy may affect product policy positions on whether or how it should be addressed. In some cases, it may be appropriate to take no action if the system actually affects current reality, while in other cases, it may be desirable to consider how we might help society reach a more fair and equitable state via either product intervention or broader corporate social responsibility efforts. That is their take to say, yeah, what we're doing is we're working the algorithm so you get only liberal shit, still. And only black faces, not white people like you know Governor Northam. Black faces. We're talking or, or Jimmy Kimmel. Black faces. Or or fucking the Tonight Show with with fucking Dick Face from CNN or SNL. Black faces. We're talking real black faces. Or women. Or trannies. I mean, just searching searching Trucker Carlson is like trying to find fucking Waldo. 'Cause they bury him and then when they found it they find it on YouTube, they take it off. That's self censoring. Or not agreeing with this. Arizona State Dean grading writing based on quality is racist promotes white language supremacy. Illinois anti racist training, expecting people of color to teach white people is Covert white supremacy. So now Kendi X is a white supremacist. Hmm. And then we got the tranny. Oh, let me get the tranny. Up. Where's my, where's my tranny picture? Come here, come here, dude. Cause you're a dude. I'm just going through all my pictures because I went the wrong way. Sorry. Hold on. Eh, I'm new. Joe Durte. There it is. CNN intern fact-checks Rand Paul on gender confirmation surgery. This is still going on. Fact-checking Rand Paul's comparison of gender confirmation surgery to genital mutilation. What's the fucking difference? Well, Biden thinks there's a difference. Hi, Owen Jensen, EWTN
5: Global Catholic Network. A couple of questions, if I may. Mm Mm-hmm. Pro-life groups right now very concerned about the uh, the phrase pregnancy discrimination in the Equality Act. You're familiar with that, I'm sure. That it would force doctors to perform abortions even if it violates their conscience. There are also concerns the bill would force doctors to perform gender transition surgeries and sterilizations again, even if it violates their conscience. What does the president, President Biden, say about those concerns? Uh,
0: the president's been a long supporter of roe v wade uh it has been his consistent belief that should be law and he will fight to continue to protect that as being law conscience concerns is not a concern of his no, i think again i'm just going to state what the president's policies are did you have another question
22: okay this sort of attack line is one that republicans need to be making it happens to be true i know that the media have tried to make joe biden into a genial older fellow who's filled with empathy His policies, as we've been pointing out every day on the show, are extraordinarily radical. More radical than the Obama administration's policies. His take on the world that has been promulgated via his administration, which is that equity, meaning anti-racism, Ibram X. Kendi nonsense, is at the center of all of his policies. That stuff is extremely radical. But on the right, everybody is focused in on, hey, look, a stimulus bill that's too much money. I agree, it's too much money. And I agree, you should do your best in Congress to stop it. Also, where is the leadership calling out the actual battle for the soul of the country which is what does this, what should the motivating ideology of the country be? Here was Trump touching an issue that many Republicans seem afraid to touch publicly. And that, of course, is the issue of trans policies being pushed by the Biden administration. Here he was going after the equality, the so-called Equality Act, the Orwellian Equality Act, which suggests that men ought to compete alongside women. A less equal idea, it's hard to imagine. Here was Trump going after that.
2: Joe Biden and the Democrats are even pushing policies that would destroy women's sports. Young girls and women are incensed that they are now being forced to compete against those who are biological males. It's not good for women. It's not good for women's sports, which worked so long and so hard to get to where they are. The records that stood for years, even decades, are now being smashed with ease. Smashed. If this is not changed, Women's sports, as we know it, will die. They'll end. It'll end.
22: Okay, so the left makes fun of this sort of stuff. Like, why, why does this matter? Why? Did, because the redefinition of basic biological sex matters. Pretending that everybody is exactly the same in all respects, and thus, all outcomes ought to be exactly the same, because everybody, of course, is exactly the same, is a recipe for top-down control. It is a recipe for disaster. Okay, That's why this stuff actually matters. And yes, Americans care about this sort of stuff. By the way, if you think that it ends at women's athletics, you are dead wrong. It doesn't end at women's athletics. It ends with children being taken out of homes if parents refuse to go along with the prevailing views at their public school that their kids should have a sex change. Okay, that's where this is going to end eventually. You already see this kind of stuff happening in certain parts of Canada, by the way. You've already seen threats to to parental conservatorship based on refusal to acknowledge that your child is actually a member of the gender that they say they are a member of rather than their actual biological sex. This This is not the last step here. Trump was in essence a culture war figure he continues to be a culture war figure and until somebody on the right picks up that mantle there's not going to be any else on the right picking up that mantle we all know it okay so the left likes to make this all about you know Trump and people people love Trump because Trump says all these terrible things and all of these tweets that, that a lot of people don't like and because Trump was telling lies after the election about the that is not why people like Trump they the answer if you ask conservatives if you ask Republicans why they are still warm to Trump The answer is they would rather have the guy who's punching back, even if he is punching back in dirty and wrong ways, than the person who sits there and just takes it. Right. This is why you get the why, but he fights stuff from conservatives. Now, I've always made the case with Trump that, but he fights has to come with an asterisk, which is if you keep punching yourself in your own face, that's not a good way of fighting. Yes, it's good that he fights. It's also bad that he fought in such a way that he lost to an actual corpse in Joe Biden. There is a way to fight in which you win. But if you ask Republicans, which would I prefer? The one who fights or the one who doesn't fight? Because both are not going to win victory, but I'd rather have the one who fights. That is what you're going to end up with.
7: I threw that Shapiro in there because it's a dual concept. Number one, we're going to have
17: conservatorism
7: stuff coming up in this country. It's already starting where judges, liberal judges are literally pushing that uh, parents having the rights to do anything. And don't take your kids away. They're going to do that. Because it's all a cult. It's a fucking cult. And then you have your political facts. And remember, these are all financed by Facebook liberal groups. Science, political fact, denies the fact that we're born boys and girls. Representative Major Taylor Green put a sign outside her office and says there are two genders, male and female. Trust the science. We checked, and the science is clear. Gender identity goes beyond male and female. What the fuck? And as we go into our cancel with a new lame bumper that I made, 96% of Google News results on Trump news are from national left-wing media. But PolitiFact says that was a false study. And we played that on the show. That guy was a liberal. He was a liberal. And instead of PolitiFacting his statement, they went after an individual user. But that guy was out there all across the country. Objectively, he's the one that caught the Google... Apple, everybody wasn't telling conservatives the election date. There was no election warning. They didn't do that because they didn't want them voting. This shit's horrible. Then the second part of the Shapiro, that's why a lot of people like Trump. Yes, he's audacious. He's stupid. He's not presidential. But when you break it down, he's the only one fighting. This kind of stupid shit. Um, yeah. He's a racist, he's a sexist, he's in love with Donald Trump. Y'all can't cancel
6: me. My life is scandal-free. There ain't no sponsors taking losses because the brand is me. My hands are clean. My family and my fans agree. Y'all can't cancel me for facts because you're mad and weak. Go ahead and tell the world I'm ugly and racist. I braid my hair and I don't care about cultural appropriation.
3: It's fixated on the so-called threat of cancel culture and so fired up about children's books instead of passing a bill that a majority of their voters support. Never forget what's going on. We are in the middle of a health crisis, an economic crisis, and a domestic terror threat. They're talking about kids' books. Why? Philip, isn't this cancel culture debate, this is what I really don't get, it's a debate for the elites. Right. For working class Americans, they're worried about putting food on the table, having a job, having health care. It's people who can sit back on their lazy boys and actually discuss topics like this all day long because they don't have to worry about surviving. How does the Republican Party say they're the party of the working class? when working class Americans don't have the privilege of debating Mr. Potato Head. They got to go to work.
21: Well, I mean, the answer, honestly, is, is exactly what, uh, what Eddie just said. I mean, that there is this massive sense of disconcertment uh, among uh, the right, among an older, whiter, baby boom population, uh, which is seeing. I mean, Eddie really nails it when he talks about the prominence, the visibility of a younger, less white generation through things like TikTok, through things like technology. They are in the face of this older, whiter demographic. And we saw one of the key spurs for Donald Trump's support was people who felt insecure about the place of whites in American society. There's absolutely this undertone to it. And so, the yes, it is the case that talking about cancel culture is, is is really a distraction from real issues that are out there, but it is an intentional distraction. It is a distraction meant to appeal to that particular aspect of what a lot of white Americans are concerned about so that they don't have to focus on these things where the Democrats are actually proposing legislation, which is much more popular than makes the Republicans comfortable. So it is, it is deliberate. It is a reason the the reason we're talking about cancel culture is because they don't have something to say on these other issues. Did
0: you have another question? Question about Dr. Seuss.
17: maybe you know the only day
0: that you can bring up Dr. Seuss in every hearing.
10: Uh, it is National Read Across America Day. It's also Dr. Seuss's birthday. Mm-hmm. For both former presidents Obama and Trump mentioned Dr. Seuss in their Read Across America Day proclamations, but President Biden did not. Why not?
0: Well, first, the proclamation uh, was written by the Department of Education, and you could certainly speak to them about more specifics about the drafting of it, but uh, Read Across America Day, which as you're right, has not existed forever, has only been around for a short period of time, elevates and celebrates a love of reading among our nation's youngest leaders. And the day is also a chance to celebrate diverse authors whose work and lived experience reflect the diversity of our country. And that's certainly what they, uh, what they attempted to do or hope to do uh, this year. And as we celebrate the love of reading and uplift diverse and representative authors, it is especially important that we ensure all children can see themselves represented and celebrated, celebrated in the books that they read.
8: Does the omission have anything to do with the controversy about the lack of diverse characters in the author's books?
0: Well, again, I think uh, it is important uh, that uh, children of, uh, of all backgrounds see themselves in the children's books that they read. Uh, but I would point you to the Department of Education for any more details on the writing of the proclamation. Go ahead.
7: I had another soundbite of Joy Reid once again. They're freaking out about this when the left passed this landmark legislation that we'll go into in a second. Ben Shapiro breakdowns media liberal disturbing new narrative about the cancel culture. The media leftists have now hit upon a new narrative. Cancel culture doesn't exist. It doesn't exist because book burnings are not actually book burnings. They're just cultural change. But what if that cultural change involves book burnings? as most cultural revolutions do. Here's example one from Chris Saliza at CNN. He correctly points out that conservatives are now making the argument that liberals are trying to cancel long-cherished cultural touchstones solely because it doesn't comport with their preferred vision of America. But, says Saliza, cancel culture isn't happening. No, it's just cultural change. What is happening in all three of these most recent instances is that the culture is changing. That cultural change might require a few books burning here and there, but even book burning aren't cancellation. Direct quote. While six of Seuss' books will no longer be published, the remaining three dozen or so will still be on the bookshelves. That isn't a cancellation. Not to the pedantic, but that is definitely definitionally a cancellation there were other books in the soviet union while they were banning books this did not make their book banning a simple case of cultural change it's not just saliza so, and particularly egregious column from F- philip bump who was in that soundbite we had of wapo the argument is made that book burning dr seuss works works isn't actually cancel culture and again the magic word just change Bump claims stated concerns about cancel culture can serve a spackle for frustrations over a changing world. But what about if things are indeed canceled? That's fine, because they ought to be canceled. The author himself is dead. For one thing, which is about as canceled as a person can get, says Bump, the vast, vast majority of his books, the ones without racist imageries or references, will still be sold. If you oppose the whitewashing of history or other cancellation of books, you are complicit in racism or rooting for it, says Bump. This is pat- patent idiocy, but it is authoritarian idiocy, since no authoritarian has ever claimed that their book burning or anything other than an attempt to protect the public from dangerous ideas And the authoritarians are winning. He's right. He's just right. To deviate from this really quick, because I have this picture up, Luke Russert. This is how far the left is. I don't know what's in my neighbor's yards. I don't give a fuck. They could have old fucking shit, toilets, planters. None of my business. Court fight looms for Georgetown, man hero really who has erected bumblebee and optimus prime statues in front of his home new uh, nuisance eyesore selfish complained local NIMBYs visitors taking pictures pose a covid risk said one busybody max tani in case you're wondering what luke russert's up to now one answer is local activism protesting large statues of transformers in his neighborhood this is his actual shit. Luke Russert, a well-known journalist who lived next door, said at the hearing that the sculptures are a safety hazard, prompting cars to double park to get a picture. Russell also worried about a precedent that could be set how Howard Transformers are allowed to remain without going through a historic review process. What's to stop someone from putting up a statue of Joseph Stalin? Oh yeah! Says the motherfucking socialist and saying, well, this is provocation, it's art it speaks to me they are a nuisance, they are an eyesore and they detract from the spirit of the neighborhood I think a lot of us were plexed how quickly they went they went up he added that they should come down, lest anyone get other ideas now understand the first article is for fucking Wapo and they didn't credit that at all to Luke Russert. I mean, why would they? Same team, NBC panel. Critics are condemning decision no longer publish six Dr. Seuss books, but experts say reckoning with it, with his racism, works is a long time overdue. What experts? A panel of liberals. eBay won't let you sell them. It's not really true because I looked at them and now they're coming out before they can cancel them, and people are trying to sell, like. If I ran the zoo for $500, you know, one person had two grand for it. (laughs) And actually, as usual with the left, there's a run on Dr. Seuss books. And all sorts of articles like this. Here are books that aren't there anymore. It's a huge list. I'm not going to read it. You know the deal. I'm not even going to waste your time. You know it. Mein Kampf, anything crazy is still up if it's liberal. We don't do it. And while we're doing all this tranny shit, and oh my God, we're all going to fucking die, and fucking Jesus Christ, you got to wear a mask. New York Times goes woke on steroids. Pepe Le Pew normalizes rape culture. Here's an actual paragraph. Some of the first cartoons I can remember include Pepe Le Pew, who normalized rape culture, Speedy Gonzalez, whose friends helped popularize the corrosive stereotype of drunk and lethargic Mexicans, and Mamie Two-Shoes, a heavyset black maid who spoke in a heavy accent. course, all the media carried Hillary Clinton who won't die. The party of Freedom Fries would like you to know there's a cancel culture problem. Then we get back to some more stuff. Jamal Bowen, an actual fucking damn rep. Standardized testing is a pillar of systemic racism. Coming to a theater near you, AP classes will go the fuck away. Let us go away. You won't have any more AP classes because AP classes are fucking evil. D.C. football team. Yeah, they don't have a cheerleader squad anymore. Sexist. Gotta get rid of it. No, is, there's no problem with cancel culture. There's nothing going on here. Come on. Come on. Right Side News. The Epoch Time. Right Side Broadcasting Network said it was suspended by YouTube for two weeks because it broadcast Trump's CPAC speech. The smartest thinkers at Vox are very concerned about the danger of questioning verifiable realities such as climate change. There's a dangerous, unique American form of skepticism on the rise. And it's sowing doubt in verifiable realities such as climate change, COVID-19, and the 2020 election. Verifiable realities. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm, That's good. H.R. 1.
1: On, And that's why they have to suppress the vote. And I just don't think this is constitutional. I don't think the federal government should be mandating what states should do. And this actually went to the Supreme Court on Tuesday. And Breyer and Kagan actually ended up siding with Republicans. And those are obviously uh, more left-leaning Supreme Court justices. Um, what this bill has in it that I find particularly problematic is um, it's going to allow felons to vote even if you're convicted of election fraud. So what you're saying about uh, national security threats right now, if Mayor Giuliani or the Pillow guys, somehow go to jail for um, helping inciting violence or, or, you know, spreading this lie of election fraud, they still will have the right to vote. I don't think that that should happen. I don't think someone who's convicted of election fraud should still have the liberty and luxury of voting. Um, It eliminates the voter ID. Um, These are things you do need an ID to to do in America, to adopt a a pet, to rent a car, to get on a plane, to buy cold medicine, to buy a cell phone, to get a job. So you have no ID whatsoever. This allows minors to vote, so that includes down to six. 16-year-olds. The Democrats are saying at the same time they expanded Obamacare up to age 26 because the idea was that 26-year-olds still really haven't had this, like, you know, uh, they their sort of failure to launch, that they still need help from their parents. So on one end, uh, 26-year-olds can't pay for their own health care, but on the other side, 16-year-olds should have the right to vote and have the responsibility and competence to vote. So if this is where the mandate is that it's going to be 16-year-olds can do whatever they want, then we need to remove that from Obamacare as well. Everything that an 18-year-old can do, a 16-year-old should be able to do as well. Um, It expands the quote, "No excuses absentee voting." And then my my biggest problem with it is that it's sending public dollars to fund political campaigns. And I just don't think that our taxpaying dollars, while the country is absolutely falling apart, uh, should be having our taxpayer dollars having having you know uh, influencing our elections. And I just. I wish this, when we were, this was even pitched as a topic. I feel like people are just seeing it through one, one very linear lens. This isn't about uh, whatever, however you feel about Republicans and Republicans trying to take rights away. It's about how you interpret the Constitution and how you interpret states' rights. And I think it's just intellectually dishonest and, quite frankly, just in bad faith to talk about how you know Republicans are evil and they want to ruin the world. This is just a, a basic disagreement on how you think states' rights should be run.
7: All right, if you hear some y- yapping, it's my little dog is down here now because mom's outside, and one of the dogs is what you were hearing, freaking out because mom was with another dog, so I got little one down here. She'll be doing a laps. You'll hear her screaming, but I think Megan McCain nails it, and you know I don't like Megan McCain. I never liked her, all right, but this is just, it's bullshit, and, and it's just like the COVID relief bill. The media is not going to talk about it. They're not going to say what's actually in the bill. They're just saying this is going to improve our elections and stop voter suppression. But all it is is so Democrats can never lose an election. And to say, well, 16-year-olds. Presley introduced an amendment. He got shot down, but she introduced it. Democrats shift to reforming the filibuster amid, amid concerns Senate will become legislative graveyard. Because they know they can't even pass it with their own people. Even if they had the required sixty motherfuckers, they can't get the votes. So they're going to find a way just to get away around everything. Because it's it's very interesting that nobody is actually talking about. Just a second, I want you to see her. Come here, come here, here. hey you little shit, come here, come here, come here. She's going to be a little shit. Um, it's very interesting to watch. Nobody report that stuff is stripping off the COVID relief bill because it's bullshit. And they, like I said in the, in the segment, they can't justify to their own constituents why you're giving this much pork out, and you're not giving them but $1,400, but you promised 2000 Revealed the Democrats' blueprint to steal 2020 from the voters of America. And this plan, this article is from... July 21st, 2019, and guess what it is? It's this bill. Independent Sentinel. Dems' first bill, H.R. 1, aims to swing elections towards Democrats. Four devastating consequences of Democrats for the people at. No ID. You heard McCain. You can't do anything. You can't get SNAP. You have to have an ID. So the simple process of saying, well, an ID is racist, is just based on they don't want proof of vote. That's why they want vote by mail. You don't have signature verifications. It doesn't matter. Anybody can just pick this up. The harvesting portion, where I can just go through an abandoned area where people used to live and grab their shit, send it. Nobody's checking the signature. It doesn't matter. There are cases all over the country from 2020. Warnock's in one. Faulty registrations, everything. uh, Perpetuating vote by mail following COVID-19 pandemic, blah, blah, blah. As legislation came, Congress finds that it has authority pursuant to Section 5 of the 14th Amendment to protect the right to vote. Limited and equal access to voting by mail. Again, leveraging accusations of racism. The bill states that minority communities wait longer in lines to vote are more likely to have their mail ballots rejected. Well, then just do what we do in our states. Mandate states must give two weeks for early voting. The line I was in for the twenty twenty election was major it was probably forty-five percent minority. And a lot of Bidens. He still didn't win, but they got there providing federal control over redistricting redistricting, paving ground for DC statehood. None of these bills are straight alones. And my intent was to go and do a full reading of it, but we're going to push push it to next because we're almost at a two and a half hours, and I, nobody can justify what they're doing. None of this was okay in twenty eighteen. Once again, do your research. North Carolina ballots harvested; they made him redo it. It said ballot harvesting was horrible. There were sound bites all over. It was Nancy Pelosi herself, but now. Ballot harvesting and voting by mail works so well, they got 81 or 84 or whatever the fucking number they keep adding to vote by mails. And I know for principal conservatives who hate Trump, oh, that's not going to happen every time. Do you really believe that? Their intent is to win forever. Hold power forever. Own Washington forever. Filibuster states Vote by mail. They'll do anything. That's why they're casting fates to the wind and doing all these crazy bills. They know they can just get away with it. Nobody's going to stop them. Because all they have to do is call you a fucking racist and you shut up. Go back to the Ben Shapiro. That's why Trump won. Let's close this pig with a moment of military zen. That is so badass. And that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends. Get everything on foppodcast.com. Get the video, foppodcast.com. Get the audio, foppodcast.com. If you want to watch back episodes, I'm going to put a link on foppodcast.com. But you can go to Rumble if you follow the same link. And go watch it on Rumble. You'll find it. But if not, I'm going to put a Rumble up there. If you want to just do back audios, you just go to SoundCloud and you can listen to 520, I believe, is 30 or 40. We got a shitload of. Shitload of episodes up there, and you can hear it. You can also leave me comments at foppodcast.com. Doing that for Matt in Oregon, who did a funny text the other day at foppodcast.com, foppodcast.com, foppodcast.com. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. We're going to end this on an extremely effeminate segment. I got my little dog, and you're going to hear me talk in a different voice, but I love this dog. I don't care what anybody says. My little poo Maltese poodle is just the cutest little thing in the world. I, I'm turning in one of those old guys with this dog, so I'm going to insert 20-some-odd seconds. Turn away if you don't want to change your opinion on me because it's pretty effeminate. We're going to go with another show on Wednesday, 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 10 March, Year of Our Lord 2021. Please tune in, as always. Thanks for listening. Take care. This is my Betsy right here. Say hello. Say hello, sweetheart. This is my little six pound little shit. And this, I gotta tell you, man, I am turning to that old man with the little dog who loves his little dog, and I love my little dog. So there's Betsy, I'll stop being uh, effeminate, but I had to get one video with my little girl.